Visit Arcade Club, Europe's largest classic arcade, with over 200 video and pinball machines. There's classic consoles and computers. There is also PS4s, Xbox Ones, Wii U, PC, and Oculus Rift, and regular tournaments and competitions. All machines are set to free play. Open Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Check out arcadeclub.co.uk for more details. Tenpence Arcade are proud members of the Throwback Network and the Retro Junkies Network. Hello and welcome to the Tenpence Arcade Podcast, where we podcast about tenpences that went in arcade machines years ago. Is that right, Mr. Holly, my lovely co-host? It certainly is kind of, Mr. Marland. Do your introductions. Mm, eh? Do your introductions. Tell everyone your inside leg measurement and your your field of vision and (laughs) those kind of things. Well, on the first one, um, I'm not sure. On the second, my field of vision is very poor. Yeah. Do you know, I was trying to play a handheld console the other week, and I can hardly see it. Oh, it was a Game Boy Micro. I could hardly see the flipping thing, so I need like a big arcade screen to look at now. You need a Game Boy Maxi. They don't exist. Anyway, let's stop this chit-chat, this idle chit-chat. We need to get into the podcast, because we have been doing lots of things. We have. I've been as busy as a really busy, busty bee. <laughs> a busty bee? A busty bee, Yes. Right, with moves. With a, with a, yes, chesty bee. Yes. So let's get on with it. Tell me right. what we've been up to, because we've been doing things together lately. Yes, last weekend we went to Revival Solstice Warsaw, which was an absolutely fantastic event. I really, really enjoyed it. And yes, a resonant ping for Revival. It's one of them, I loved it. Craig Turner and the crew, and we've got about 20 minutes of audio of us mucking around like loons that we're going to put in. Yeah. Hey kids, it's Saturday the 30th of July 2016. Vic, do you know what time it is? Revival time. It's revival o'clock. We just had chips time. Yeah, it's all right, isn't it? It's all right. Uh, we're in a it's corner. Bobby now. Hazelnuts. Where's that Bobby Hazelnuts? We'll talk to him in a minute. Yeah. I've got something for you guys. I've got something for you as well. I'm going to go and get other guys' Okay. All right. That was um, Mr. Hazelnuts. Yeah. Guess what we got for him? He gave us, bis- he gave us biscuits last time, didn't he? Well, we got hazelnuts for him? <laughs> right, we're in the corner of Revival. It's nice and quiet. It's quite loud in a lot of areas. In the corner. In the corner. In the corner. Get in the corner, you <laughs> We're right in the corner. We're overlooking a football pitch, which looks lovely. Yeah, Because the there's actual- no football going on. Right? It's just yeah. like a nice field. Nice, quiet, pleasant field. The actual event is in Warsaw Football Ground. We are in the corner, and there's some uh, little bar tops for sale here. And it looks like there's a talk going on in the other room. Yeah, next door there is Retro Asylum and they are hosting Mr. Jim Bagley Talk. Steve Turner at Graf Gold, we've missed him. Jim Bagley's on now. Yep. Arch McLean's on later. At two o'clock. Henrik Olifuz from the ZX Spectrum Next project. Oh, I'm not, I'm not a fan of that, so I'll watch that. And Walter Day is going to be on Skype at cool. 4 pm. Be nice. Well, we've got some for sale cabs here, some little bar tops that look quite pleasant. That's, that not, that's not a bad price. Is it 400 quid for that massive thing? Oh, yeah, I suppose it's good. Yeah, yeah. A lot of work goes into it. Yeah. There's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is a lot nicer than the original cab, I must add. Green light, your buttons. Oh, and it's got Doom on it. Why has it got Doom on it? That's an arcade game. I don't know. And there's a little one here. It's like a big, big T-800 
tabletop stick with some nice graphics under it. I think it's maiming a box and it maiming a stick. Yeah. That I've got a lot of rooms, great. I don't know what that game is. It's an emulated game by the looks. So it looks pretty mm. nifty though. Mm. Two hundred and fifty pounds. Got some TVs. I think these belong to Alex and uh, Roger, aren't they? Yeah, they, I've bought these down from Nerg. These well, are the, two of them. The big massive TVs. The snares rammed in the top of them. Yeah, Super Famicom All in TV. Ones. Yeah, they're quite quite expensive. Nice, nice little machines. They look lovely. Never released over here, but um, no. There's Alex's uh, red tent there. Yeah. I believe has been sold. Some lucky punters buying that. Yeah, and the arcade club's got it. Oh, nice one. And and I, I played my first ever game of Bloom Fight on it earlier. Bloom Fight is a and mega game. I very, love it. very good. It's a lot, I know it's like Joust, but it's got a very it's nice kind nice of inertia. I really like Bloom Fight. It's a lovely game. Mm. It's got his uh, tall tabletop sheriff. sheriff next to it, which is and excellent. Space launcher over there. I've got one there. Yeah, launching in space. Loads of uh, vendors, which I need to look at. Yes. Nice stuff. Yes. Uh, there's a killer instinct there. It's very green. Green looks instincts. Like looks like one of the uh, colours is out on that. Oh, I think green's alright. Yeah, I think green's very prominent. Yeah. And Don Donkey Kong. Look at this, it's Donkey Kong in a barrel, which is Ooh. one of Craig Turner's creations. Barrel cage. So it's got a 60 in one in it. Yeah. And then it's a barrel with controls either side and a little glass top. Excellent little thing. And over here we have Donkey Kong. That's a homemade Donkey Kong, one of his Turner Cades, I believe. Oh. And a Nescade, which looks like an, a NES cartridge. Shoved Massive. In, shoved into a shoved into a like a control deck. And the best thing with, with a screen in is a young lad playing it as well. He must be about 12, 10. He's playing Pokemon. Well, we'll forgive him for that. He's That'll still playing nice Pokemon cat. blue or red, won't it? Or yellow or green or What's purple. What's your orange? experience of Pokemon Vic? Do you love them like your own children? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Wife plays it. Does Just she? looking at stuff and flicking a screen. I don't know what's about. Uh, right, we've got loads of consoles. We need to quickly go around these. So I see some Retron 5s there. I wouldn't touch a Retron 5 with a dirty stick. It's not a Retron 5. It's a Super Retro Trio. Retron 3. Ah. Very similar, I think. Yeah. Apparently the build quality on them is laughable. Mega drives and master systems and 7800s. How many of them? Oh, that's a nice one. Yeah. Television. Yeah. Master Astro Smash. I have very little experience with them. We'll have a go at that in a minute, shall we? Astro Smash. As you can hear, we're near the pinballs and it's very loud near the pinballs. They're spaced out. There's about three areas with pinballs. There's about nine or ten down this line. Yeah. Johnny Mundamanonic. Yeah. Metal Liquor. Metal Liquor. Judge of the Dreads. Eye of Goldens. Family of Adams. Family of Adams. Radical. There's a roller, rollerball. That's quite a big little one. And you've got an Iron Man. So my mum says What's he's Scottish. Iron. What's he made of Iron? No, he's made of lemons. And we've got and a Spider-Man, Spider-Man. But a man made of that, surely that can't be true. And we've got some PS4s here, some more Mame in a box. Yeah, nice. Mame in a stick. Sorry. First time I've ever seen Street Fighter 5. Have you? Yeah, it looks like Street Fighter 4. It looks pretty good, but apparently the, it's not very good as single player versions. No, I think, I think they'll, they'll address all the issues, won't they? I hope so, yeah. It yeah. looks awesome. I like the look of 4, so I'm going to like the look of 5. Yeah. It's nice. So let's go around, there's a load of driving kids games there. There's three PC with steering wheels and stuff. Yeah, there's three Dayto four Daytona oh, stuck I together there. Linked as well. That's yeah. Running on PCs, yeah. Ooh. What if they're emulators or actually? It could be the PC game. Was it ever released on PC? I don't know, interesting got two and more rows of consoles. There's loads of Nintendo, all the sort of normal fare we get here. Super 
graphics was Turbo Graphics yeah. PC Engine thing, innit? Yeah. The well, strangest nice, looking console there. ever. It's been yeah. modded with LEDs to light up the little logo. That's quite cool. Isn't oh, it? that's good. That. You probably hear the retro lords. They're always really loud. They're on stage and they're talking about some competitions going on. Really Me and Vic wouldn't enter because we'd win, wouldn't we? Wouldn't we win? Oh yes, definitely. We'd win. Now this is an interesting section of arcade cabs. You've got the driving machine on the end, which is yeah. working. Yeah. You've got Fix It Felix, which is one of their own ones. You've got a, yeah. a Windfall video with Black Tiger in it. What's the story behind these? I've never heard of this. Do you know anything about Windfall? It's just a jammer cab, I think. Is it? It's right. got sort of hypnogrotics, hypnotic, hypnotic, hypnogrotic, uh, hypnotic colours all over it. It's got black tiger in it, and I like that. We'll have to do that one. This is Smarty Mark Centipede, which I'm going to steal in a minute. Don't tell him. I got it's my, highest, my, my highest score on this one. It's still there. Oh, 42. Well done, yeah. sir. That's good. You've got some more of your SAHs on there. Yeah. This is a brilliant game. Video pinball. Yeah. That moves. The control panel moves on purpose. Can you actually tilt the game? We did talk about this when we went to oh, Smarty Mark. Such a good game. It's and the screen down there. Really clever game. It's really clever. Hang on's broken down by Super hang on, you won't hang on now, would you? I'll hang on to it. Uh, X-Men. Four player. There you go. A lady playing Frank Panic. Frank Hold Panic. on, madam. <laughs> it's a little um, Do you know Dino King. I have no idea. Sit, I'll tell you how to play it. Okay. I don't know, mate. I'm not sure why one's broken. This one works okay. I mean, so you've got like, each button corresponds to the door. Vic is teaching a little boy how to play Bank Panic. I'm not sure if it's going to go well, kids. It's Roger's Bank Panic. Next to Bank Panic is a PS2 setup thing. Was this to promote GT Gran Turismo? In store, yeah. to promote Gran Turismo 4. I've seen it before here, I think. It's a very thin cabinet. Yeah, it's quite nice, though. Yeah. seat on it. Oh, no. Worst game in the world, Simpsons. Boring. No, worst game in the world is qualified. No, it's... Oh! Whack! Ow, me chin! Hyper-fighting to Street Fighter, Cabs. A Challenger cab with some sort of multi-game in it. I think that's Pandora. Oh, one of the ugliest cabs in the world. Xenons. That is an electrical in Xenon. Andy, okay, comes about seven of them in a row. Horrible things. Push them all over. No, they're nice. Someone playing the Blast City with Street Fighter. The best street fighter. There's a new Astro City with one of the Rydens in Ryden Fighters, Ryden Fighters Jet, right? Something like that. Hard one, isn't it? Escaluda on the end. Escaluda, yeah. There's a kid with his face in the virtual boy. Well done, sir. Wow. And then there's a TV. There's a round TV in the football surround. Yeah. Look at the worst control panels ever. Oh, that is bad, isn't it? It's pretty nasty. It's like, oh, there's a little afterburner sort of uh, yoke here, flight yoke. How cool is that? What is that on a master system or something? No, it's on a PC engine. Ah, that's really cool. Isn't it? That will joystick. Yeah, but look at the speed. Of that, how the speed of the game's running. That looks really good. Yeah, the PC engine's a nice machine. I've got a few yeah. of those. They're really cool. That's what I've got. That one, Core Graphics Two, and the PC engine. They are the really nice cutest things. little consoles ever, aren't they? And that one there, it's got um, a multi car in it. Um, I've got one of those myself. Ever. Uh, They're really, really good. There are a whole host of. We've got Vector game. five Vectrexes on a table, not been seen since the late 80s. Let's go talk together. about Vectrex, because I'm involved in this somehow. Yes, then we've got loads of little Game Boys, Game Boy Advances, Game Boy Pockets. Loads of Game Boy Game Boy Pocket Colour, Astro Wars. Bring your thing down here a minute, son. See if it works. Put your thing near it. Ah, it brings out memories. 
I have, I've got this one at home now. They look like Galaxians, aren't they? Yeah. It's really clever how they've made the most use of them. I know, VFT is awesome. What does that stand for, VFD? I can't remember. Why did you have to ask me that, silly man? Very f decent. You have to bleep that one out, you can edit this one. Oh, I've been killed it. Oh. Anyway, we've got the Vectrex, we've got some homebrew games in the Vectrex here. Yeah, these are really impressive. These are Chris Parsons and... Chris Binary Star. Chris Binary Star and Jim. I don't reckon Binary Star's his proper surname. It might not be, but Chris, Chris and Jim have brought some games yeah. from Scotland. There's a game here called Vox. Was it Knox? And it's very Knox, and it's very similar to the old Atari Sprint. Do you know what Knox is short for? No. Nitrous, I bet. Oh, nitrous oxide. Yes. Yeah. And it plays really good. It's such a fun game. And when you hit the oil, you slide all over the place. It's a lot, a lot of fun. And you've got Chris's own game, Big Blue, which is absolutely brilliant. You loved that earlier. I like that. I want to finish it. I think he's done eight levels, and I got to level seven. Another Chris Binary Star one is oh, that looks good. Space Launcher. That looks but good. But he's also brought Death Race, and I haven't played Death Race yet, and I really want to. Where's the Where's the little caves at the top to go in? I think it's that is that's um, Galaxy Wars, which is on the same cartridge. Ah. It's a similar game. You just get to the top and back to the bottom. But in the middle, what's that? I can see there. Oh, it's Vix controller, Vix Vectrex controller. Vectrex controller, and yeah. people seem to like it so far. I've put it here for a bit of a play test. It's solidly built. Yeah, very nice. Kill someone with it, literally. Yeah. Kill someone with There's it. There's a bit of weight to it. It is. And it's got Vectrex etched into the side of the hen, hen aluminum. I engraved it with a hen. Hengraved. Is that a Mega Drive knockoff? Or it's a little funny Mega Drive here. Yeah. It's a weird looking thing. With an EverDrive in the top. So look at it. It's very light. Mega Drive X made in China. I think it might be a knockoff. Oh! Oh! Oh, look at them oh, games. Fellas. We're playing the snares. The snares. Ah, I think that's Axley. Oh, yeah, good game. I loved Axley. We've got some Williams games here. Defender and Robot. Yeah, back to our K Cubs. Yeah, Ms. Pac Man with a speed up. Obviously, I haven't sure we play. Yeah. <laughs> outrun and an outrun. Uh, turbo turbo Outrun. Mini. One of my old favourites, Turbo Outrun. Not so keen now for some reason. Two player Badlands. Badlands, Konami, Konami GT. A really odd look of cab, I like it. That's Mike Lee's, I've played that at NERG. It's cool. It's alright, yeah, it's good. Yeah, Terra Question, a funny weird looking cab. Apparently the whole thing hinges out. Right. It hinges on the bottom. There's a, a Pac-Man table they're not on. I People are using it as a table. That's crazy talk. Let's get away from the noisy guys. It's alright, he did get a good score, so it's fine. Right, more cabs. Someone playing Puzzle Fighter 2. Yeah. There's a weird looking cab there with a crappy what, what, screen in it. What are them high tech super games cab? What it's is that? It's a Euro cab. I think it's brought by the, the Belgian guys. Kind of, they're trying to sell the cabs. Ah. There's one there and there's a weird looking thing that looks like a candy, but it's made out of wood. Strange. Oh. 449 quid, 600 games. Yeah, but it's just got a multi in there. It's got rubbish. That's in the back screen. That's in the pound, the game. That's pretty good. The wonderful, gy wonderful Gyrus. Someone's having a right go there. I don't know what he's doing, but he's slapping in buttons. In the Goliath. Yep, Gyrus. Neo Geo's. Oh, big MBS. Six play Neo Geo. It's got Metal Slug in it by the look of it. Metal Slug 3, Puzzle Bubble, Neo Turf Masters. People love that game. And King of Farters. King of Farters. And we've got loads of computers here. I'm going to look at the computers. They've turned the Apple II off, unfortunately. I want to have a go at that, so I've got an Apple II. And I haven't got much to run on it, so I've only got discs. Oh, is that, do you know, that looks like a piece of cheese. Yeah, My one's really small. My one's oh. the smallest one. I've got two I just fancy some cheese now. Ooh, Nothing else, that. just a big lump of cheese. Good cheese. <laughs> uh, Sabrewolf. 
Men's surprise, whatever that is. Sabre Wolf is one of the most colourful games ever. It's lovely. Looking. Lovely colourful game. A lot of colour clash. Yeah. There's well, a, I think they got around it with, on Sabre Wolf, didn't they? Nothing. No, nothing it's, got, it's got oh, terrible it? colour right. clash. My memory is poor. Amiga CD32, that's a good machine. People tend to like that game. Amiga, obviously, that's a 1200, nice one. I had, uh, I had a 500 oh. I had. Yeah. So I'm playing Doom next to it, what's that? Doom on a, a Jaguar. Jaguar. With that toilet uh, thing on the top. Yes, the CD thing looks like a bit of a toilet. That runs alright. Nice. Yeah, it does. It's one of the games I had on there. Yeah. Yeah. One, of my, one of my machines there. That's comparable to PS1. Sorry, XL. That's what I had on XR. I used to love River Raid. Yes, you I got very, very oh, far in it, River Raid. On, on, on the 26 Very oh. Atari 7800. Yeah. With the nice controllers. Yeah. yeah. Spectrum Plus 3 with Daily Thompsons. Which is hilarious. It's grey. It's grey. He's a black guy. <laughs> Uh, we've got Tom Charlton on Streamcast Corner. Where's he got? Oh! I met him earlier. Nice lad. Oh, I didn't know. He's gone. He might be having some tree. Is he? Is he? He's got a pint. He's going to chat to him. Let's point at him as we come towards him. Yeah, let's try and put him off. Yeah. Hey kids, this is Tom from Dreamcast Junkyard. No preparation whatsoever, pint in his hand. How are you doing, Tom? I'm doing fine, thank you. Have thank you. We're off. Well, <laughs> I like your green Dreamcast. Hey, it's quite cool. Have right? you got a pink or a blue Hello Kitty one? I haven't, but I've got the matching controllers. Oh, they are yes. nice, aren't they? Yes. I was looking at some of the Dreamcast prices for some of the games over there. Third Strike, pal. Yeah. 55 quid. I always wanted that when I was younger. I never got it. It was too expensive. Is that decent price now or not? Uh, I'd say so, yeah. I've seen it go a lot more than that on yeah, like yeah, eBay, yeah. for example, things like that. Right. Sorry, I, I'm sounding a bit like a uh, starstruck. I've just been like, accosted by you on the. You know, yeah. We will accost as we see fit, young man. We don't give anyone any choice or preparation time, do we, really? So here's a Dreamcast question for you. How much is Stupid Invaders worth nowadays? Uh, I don't know, about 25 quid. Good, because I've got it, I'm going to sell it. Stupid Invaders? It's a point-and-click adventure. It's really good. It's the only one on the Dreamcast as well. Yeah, it's a really double-disc game. I had it years ago, I completed it as well. How do you yeah. point-and-click with one of them controllers? You just use the thumbs? Just thumb use the analogue, yeah, 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 it's fine. Or you can use your, your mouse. Yeah. And yesterday, my son is here. I just want to introduce you to him if I can find him, if that's all yeah, right. That's cool, yeah. That's nice. Thought he doesn't know she's on the podcast, but she is there. Yeah. <laughs> she, worked in, she worked in the bar at the hotel where I'm staying, and she... I was telling her about the event yesterday, and that's why she's come down today. Oh, with so. that? Yeah. Oh, nice one. Oh, that's that's quite cool, yeah. Advertising does work. Yeah. So what games you got here then, Tommy? Right, we've got, uh, on this one we've got Soul Calibur. Of course. Um, yeah. Uh, we've got uh, Hydro Thunder, which is an amazing speedboat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Arcade yeah. game. Mm. Yeah. Uh, we've got Ikaruga. It's in kind of screensaver mode at the moment. Too oh, hard. Too hard. I like it. I like it. Good game, but too hard. <laughs> uh, we've got, uh, that is King of Fighters 99. King of Fighters 99. <laughs> I can't do a fart sound, it's much better than me at fart. <laughs> so it's to play the trombone as a child. <laughs> what else you got there, Tom? We got a Driving Ferrari game. F355 Challenge. Oh, that was a good arcade game, wasn't it? Three screen job. Yeah, three yeah. screens, yeah. yeah, yeah. I did Dreamcast is amazing at arcade games. Mm. Really good. That's why I got one years ago. Yeah. And there's the sticks, I've got a stick at home, they're really good quality as well. Mm. You don't even need to mod them, they're pretty good. Are they Sanwa already or Sumitsu inside? Uh, 
past. It's a pretty good my, my, You my, don't my, know. My arcade co uh, like centric colleague isn't here at the moment. So get a screwdriver, son. Let's get in the back of it. Let's have a look. Kick <laughs> <laughs> them people off. Yeah. I, I definitely would. If <laughs> on, the end, got, uh, on the end, we've got uh, House of the Dead 2. Yeah, 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 with, with the light guns, yeah. You don't they're, they're good because they work as an arcade. I've never been into it. We're going to let you right. go. We'll leave you there, mate. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Is that your name? Yeah. Thank you, Tom, there. That TV. Some more traders here, kids. Tom's got on there playing Street, uh, King of Fighters 99. Yeah. It's a really nice flat screen CRT. It's like an FST tube. It's one of the so nice. Yeah, one of the later ones, isn't it? Sony Trinitron FST, the lovely screen to play the games on. Oh, the picture is immaculate. It's really bright and lovely lines on it. It's really, really nice. It's got, it's got an LCD there, which doesn't look as good. Just don't. It's really uh, good. The CRT is playing some, uh, some gun games. Awesome. There's a blow-up sofa over there. Yeah. A sofa corner. And there's some three games. screens. One of them looks like it's got a big game. Oh, James and Watch. Have you ever heard of that? It's a game yes. and game and Watch emulator. Yeah, yeah. I've played it. I've got it at home. Yeah. It's really good. It's quite clever. I like that, game and Watch games. Yeah. It's very beepy. Very simple. Some of them would work well as arcade games if you spruced them up a bit. I think. Oh, definitely. Yeah. We've got the last line of computers. There. I'll just go through them. We've got an ST, uh, an XEGS, which was the cut-down version of the Atari computer. BBCB playing Arkanoid. Uh, we've got a Commodore 64 playing Whizball, which is brilliant. Oh, I like it. Uh, plus two Spectrum playing Jetman, Jetpack, yeah. sorry. Lovely looking, tiny little eight-inch screen. Yeah. We've got an Amstrad CPC, which I never really played on a green screen, but I like, I like how rounded the green screen is. And you've got yeah. a Commodore 16 next to it, which I never liked. I remember Sarge them screens. Remember them screens being a lot bigger than that. Mind you, I was little. MSX like, playing R type, that's a good, good version. Yeah, another R type. And Salamander next to it. Oh, it is. Some, some sort of Philips thing with a three inch disc control. I don't know what the heck that is. You've got an Amiga here and a couple of STs on the end. Might be one of them old weird PC clone things. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, really odd looking thing. Over there, kids, is the cafe area where there's about another five or six oh, pinballs, but it's so loud. It's so loud, we're not even going to go in there. They've got, oh. they got the old ACDC, not the new one. Yeah. And it's cranked up to 500. So that my recorder might melt. Yeah, it's that loud. My brain will melt. Because we, yeah. we were in there having a coffee earlier. Yeah. We had to come out into the main hall because it was so loud in there. Yeah. A little bit of blood coming out of my ears. Yeah, yeah. I, I fainted. <laughs> I swooned <laughs> a few times. Didn't arcade swoon? So let's get on with playing some more games. Yes, Have a look kids. Around, and we're going to go and probably listen to the Walter Day talk later. Yeah, four o'clock. I'm definitely not missing that. Right, that's it. We shall catch you later. But lovely. Yes. Brilliant. Goodbye. How about that, Lunacy Kids? Hope you enjoyed that. We we loved going around. We have a bit of a laugh going around, don't we? Yeah, yeah, we do. Acting like loons. Egypt. Do you know what the the highlights for me were? Go on then. I've put here. I was looking at Jim Bagley's Bomb Jack early demo, and I've put Jam Bigley. Instead jam Bigley of, instead of Jim Bagley. Jam Ooh. Bigley. Do you reckon he'd change his name? A Bigley full of jam. Hey, my name is Bigley. Jam, jam Bigley. Bigley. Yeah, yes. absolutely brilliant. Mm. I didn't see that. I missed that. Yeah, that was on the Sunday afternoon. You'd oh, gone, yeah. hadn't you? I'd, I'd done some, which we'll get onto in a minute. I'd done something else on the Sunday. But on the Saturday, I really enjoyed myself, mainly mm. just chatting to people. Uh, I also spent a lot of time around the Vectrex area. Yes. Because our mate CMP, Chris Parsons, was demoing his Big Blue game, which we'd played before in early stages, and it's really come along now. It's a little scuba dive game on the Vectrex that he's programmed himself. Mm. He's got overlays. He's got a smart T-shirt he's wearing. It's really mm -hmm. good. And he had some another guy called Chris Binary Star from Binary Star Software came along with his mate Jim 
And they brought their games along. They've been demoing as well. And that is Death Chase, which is a death race type of game for the Vectrex, which is brilliant. Mm. And also a game called Nox, which we're sure is short for Nitrous Oxide. Yeah. It was a racing game, very, very similar to the really old Atari Sprint, which is the one before Championship Sprint, even. Mm. So it's really, really good. I really enjoyed playing Nox. I didn't get a go on Death Chase. I saw someone playing it, and I watched it for a little while. I didn't get a chance to play it. It was quite busy. But Nox I had a go on. And it was absolutely mm. brilliant. When you get when you get hit the oil patches, you spin right like a crazy loon. And even mm. though it was a bit annoying, because it was meant to slow you down, it was a lot of fun trying to get out of the, the oil puddle. Really enjoyed yeah. it. It worked really, really well. So they're really coming along. And Chris, Binary Star, also brought along his version of Space Launcher and Galaxy Wars. Yes, Which are the, the going up the screen and then going back down the screen type of games. That's really simplifying it. But if you listen to our old podcast we did on Lunar on Space Launcher, you'll understand what we're on about. Really mm. good games. And they've all got nice boxes. And those guys brought along some boxes also for Chris because they shared the box manufacture. Yeah. So they've got boxes for Big Blue now. And they look really, really smart, just like a professional game from back in the 80s. Mm. They're doing manuals and, and little, you know, proper cartridges and all sorts. I cannot wait until they're officially out. It's I believe, be I believe, Knox Death Chase and Space Launcher Stroke Galaxy Wars is already out to buy. So go to Chris Binary Star Binary Star Software, mm. which would be brilliant for that. Well, I also enjoyed the Walter Day talk, which was excellent over Skype, yeah. and also playing Nintendo Alex Nintendo Alex Arcade. Playing his sheriff stand up, he cocked a strange cocktail. Oh, the tall one, yes. Game that you stand up to play. And it's just his endless enthusiasm for the game. About time this town has a new sheriff. I started off thinking, I don't like it. But the like more, sheriff, I love sheriff. The more I played it, the more I got into it, and I ended up really enjoying it. It's a lot of fun, isn't it? The only thing is, we can't really do it on the podcast unless we go around and break into Alex's place and Nick is. Is sheriff yeah. because you can't really play it in main very well because it's got that weird cooker knob control, control. system where you, you move your shooter your shooty hand round and mm. press press it inwards to fire the shot. It's got like eight different positions. Yeah, I suspect you could probably play it with an Xbox controller or something with two two analogs or something like that. Maybe. Yeah, I've done Robotron like that before and mm. it's very playable. Very yeah, playable. But Alex will beat us. He's quite good at it. We can't have that. On the Saturday night, we had a curry with about at least thirty other people from the event and that was their gold yeah i went to that but i must explain myself because i wasn't going to go i didn't mm. really fancy i wasn't really into drinking that night and i didn't fancy curry i was actually going to go and see matt corn and his lovely wife Witchfinder, mm. on the forums and he, he had a little open sort of party to his place for his little arcade he's got a really nice looking arcade we should be pictures of it i was going to go down to there but when i got to when i left this, the stadium event i went to the hotel my sat nav had stopped working Mm. I think I'd left it on in the car without it being plugged in. I think it wore right down the, the rechargeable battery, and it wouldn't turn on. So I was worried I wouldn't be able to get there. I didn't want to get there on my phone because it was about a 45-minute drive away. And I was like, oh, I'd be a bit scared, you know, because I'm, I'm rubbish with directions. I was going somewhere I'd never been before. So sorry mm. about that, Matt. I will come and see you one day. Can't wait to see your arcade. It's brilliant. I want to get mm. some tips on Bank Panic from his wife as well. Uncle Panicoo. Uncle Panicoo. There was a Bank Panicoo there. Yeah. Uh, Rog brought his little tiny... He brought his little see-through Dino King. He's got a little see-through panel so you can see all the bits going on it. And he had um, Bank Panic running in it, which was quite mm. cool. Nice to play as well. It's, there were some good scores on there. So some players who were actually at the event were doing like 360,000. 
Yes. Which has got, I think, wow, my yeah, best... Yeah. What was mine? 290,000 or something? 300,000 I got? Yeah, I, I, I couldn't gel with the game. I really like it, but I just wasn't very good at it's it. It's reactions, isn't it? Uh, yes, and you've also got to think a lot, which uh, when I'm shooting stuff right in this, I don't like thinking. It's like shooting. Just think about shooting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think um, Jam Bigley went to Mac- Matt's hat. Uh, oh, did arcade. he? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think he went. I was just a little bit worried, but the next morning, luckily, when I went to the next place on my agenda for the weekend, it was working again because I actually put it into charge. I think after about 10 minutes it came on, but I was just worried I wasn't going to... Because I phoned wife and said, oh, the thing ain't working. And she said, oh, it's probably because it's been off for a long time, but I wasn't sure. And I'm mm. rubbish at driving, me. Rubbish. We ended up having quite a few beers, didn't we, really? No, not really. I felt fine in the morning. I didn't have too Did many because I, I just cannot be dealing with hangovers anymore. I'm just done with them. Mm-hmm. Me and hangovers are done. We're finished. I thought we had a few. We ended up in, we had a curry, didn't we? And then we went straight into the next pub. <laughs> yeah, we said, we, we, so we'll get going now. And the curry was poor. It was really poor. It was it was expensive as well, because we, we got there late, and I think it was like a set thing. We didn't have much at all, and it was it was absolutely rammed with people. There was about 40 of us in there, so we didn't really get a lot, and I think it was just split between a lot of us, and I had like one drink and a little bit of curry, and it was 20-odd quid, and it was like, mm. Mm, I wasn't happy. So we thought, let's get out of here. It was tired. We had to get, I had to get up and go driving the next day, so I wanted to be a bit careful. So we nipped out, and I saw a bar that had karaoke. Oh, let's go in there. <laughs> they lied to us. There wasn't any karaoke on. It's just loads of old, old middle-aged swingy people getting down to it and enjoying themselves. But it was quite fun. <laughs> it was all right. But everyone it? was giving us a bit of a strange look. Yeah, I think it was a local pub a for, local, local, for local people. What's yeah, what's all this noise? I have no shouting here. We didn't burn him. <laughs> any road. So that was the night we got back. Uh, and in the daytime, we saw lots of lovely people. They, we, we were showered with biscuits. Mm. A biscuit showering was going on, basically. Mm. Thank you very much to everyone who gave us biscuits. I'm sure you're going to get a shout-out and some pings later. Ping! But Mr. Bobby Hazelnuts, who's renowned for bringing brilliant presents to us, I thought, mm. right, we'll get him. I actually, yeah. I actually purchased some hazelnuts to give to Robert Hazelby. Yes. Bobby Hazelnuts. I thought, ah, oh, this will be funny. Hee hee. So we saw him, oh, we got something. He goes, oh, we got something for you. He was like, oh, he's going to get some nice biscuits again. No. He brought us some artisan beers with a, a special glass and everything, which I am drinking out of right now. So am I. Look. It's the Cotswold Spring Brewing Company. I have got nearly a full pint of Vimto in it. Oh, Vimto. Vimto, lovely. So that was absolutely lovely of him. I felt so guilty. I had to buy him a drink there and then. Yeah. So thank you very much for those. And thanks to everyone else who attended. We had a great time. Really, really enjoyed it. Great venue as well, I thought. Yeah, yeah. The venue goes a lot of a lot of the way to making it special. Yeah, and I think it was just the right size. I think it was an excellent setting as well, overlooking the football pitch. Do you know? Do you know? There's two little things I've got to say, and I have to talk to Craig about them later on. Yeah, is in the cafe area at the back where people yeah. are having chips and, and drinks and stuff. There was a load of pinballs, and they were turned up to fifteen on the volume, and yeah. the volume only goes to ten. It was so loud out there. I actually went back in the main area to get a bit of peace and quiet. It was that loud. Yeah. So I could just do with a little twinge down, I think. And also the retro lords who were on stage doing all the competitions for the kids and having a great time. And they were just so loud. I can't hear myself mm. speak. They need to turn their mics down just a little bit, I think. It's your age. Oh, I think it's that, definitely. Mm. Um, but yeah, the, the, consoles, the consoles were really good. I especially liked hanging out with the Vectrex guys because I'm really into my Vectrex. I saw some really weird things there. I saw... A PC engine with a sort of like a printer plotter attached to it. 
I'm not sure that was about. And that that controller we saw with the analog stick and the, and the sort of um, the accelerator knob thing, and that was Roger's mm. Roger Cantor's, and that was was it? Yeah, it was like um, a controller for stuff like Afterburner, right. some of those old analog games. So that was quite neat. I've never seen one of those, but must be quite rare piece of kit. That it was nice. Tell you what, they're going on on the Sunday morning. But do you remember the Lotus Turbo Challenge games? Uh, yes, on Amiga. Race. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they had one one guy playing on Amiga, another guy playing on the ST, and they'd hooked them up, I think, via the parallel port. Oh, that's clever. And they were playing against each other, Amiga against ST. I don't know how good is that. Yeah, they could. Yeah. Ooh, cool. Nice one. Looking at them side by side, the Amiga was definitely the the smoother, more playable version. I would have said. Well. And then when we actually walked home and got back, we walked for a little while because it was quite nice. It was quite pleasant, wasn't it? The weather was lovely there. Mm. We got back and we thought, oh, let's go to the bar quickly downstairs. It's closed. Yes. Shock horror. So we thought, oh, oh, we got them beers that Mr. Hazelnut's got us. Yeah. So you went and got them from your car, went up to the room, and there was me. Right, how are we going to open these things? And you said, use your teeth, use your teeth. No, I'm, no <laughs> way. That is just a recipe for disaster. I'm not using my teeth. So I was getting key rings out and trying key rings. And I said, Sean, you went, yeah. Right over by the kettle and the tea and stuff, I said, why don't we try using this? And you looked at it and went, what? I said, this bottle opener attached to the wall. This yeah. is after about 10 minutes of trying to get a bottle opener, by the way, listeners. Mm. That's yeah. how daft we are. So that yeah. was good. And the one I had was like a, a sort of, I'm not sure if Bobby gave them to us. It just gave us one each or whether one was meant for me and one was meant for you. But the one mm. meant for me that I got was all like Guinnessy, sort of like real deep, thick, coffee-flavoured beers, quite strong. and I really like those ones. And you had a sort of an amber lager type thing, which is more your sort of forte, isn't it? Yeah, there was one called Aviator, Cotswold Springs Aviator. And as I said at the time, it was lovely. And I've checked out online, and I'm going to buy a load. The one I had, I know what it's called, but it was like motor oil. It was really thick and glug, 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 black. It was lovely. And the other one, I've got in the fridge. I might have it after tea later on. Ooh. I've, Ooh. I've had the other one. That was beery. That was okay. But the Aviator one yeah. was Excellent. He has got a good taste in beer, that guy. Mm. Nice one, Mr. Hazelnuts. Yes, thank so, you. Yes. Next day, yes, we got up for breakfast, which you you kindly booked for us. Yeah, and it were rubbish. It were cold, weren't it? It were cold. Cold breakfast. But all you, know, you can eat, but cold. Do you know what really made it for me? We were looking outside, and at the back of the hotel, it was only like a Premier Inn sort of thing. Out the back of the hotel, there's a big, almost like a reservoir, wasn't it? it looked like a pool of some yeah. sort. Yeah, I'm not sure what it was for. It's nothing to do with docks, is it? No. There's a pub, pub next to it called The Wharf. I could attach a tractor beam and adjust its heading. I think not, Mr. Wharf. Ah, oh, maybe it's something to do with that. But there was, there was a, a young mum there with a little tiny kid watching these sort of these birds and stuff. There's like a big stork beak, big tall thing with a big long <coughs> beak. Mm. And it was by the side of the water, and I saw it bob its head in the water and come out. It got a fishy. Yeah. It caught a fish live in front of us and nommed it down and flew mm. off. That was I love a bit of nature, me. You might have guessed that already. But it was actually mm. brilliant watching it live nom a fish. I was like, wow, there's fish in there. This thing's just got one. So mm. that made my day, really. <laughs> it's the start of a good day. Did you see the polar bears in there? Over, oh, over, no. the, over the back? I didn't see the polar bears, no. Oh, sorry, not polar bears. Uh, plastic bags. Yeah, that's the ones. There was lots of plastic bags in there. Mm. So then we parted ways. You went back to Revival for a bit. Mm. Or I think you went back for a kip. No, I just put some more money on the car. I had about a 10-minute kip, actually, and then got back in the car, yeah. So I drove up to Newark from them, which is about two hours away from where we were in Wolverhampton. Mm. Wolverhampton. And I went to see Vip. 
flipping Kerry, Ben and Kerry. Because I helped them a week before transport a Naomi, take it apart, transport it to his house, put it back together again. And I went up there with a panel. Through the week, I've been so busy during the week, mm. doing arcade stuff and getting ready for podcasts, all this sort of stuff, and other secrety things, which we will talk about in a minute. I will, I will reveal the secrets I've been talking about lately, because everyone keeps going yes. on about what the secrets are. So, I went up to Vip, and I'd actually made him a control panel. It was the one mm. I used to have on my Naomi for two players, because Ben and Kerry went to play together. And it was one with six buttons on, so... They're not particular Street Fighter fans, but they're, they're the console fans as well. And there's some emulators on there. So I think the SNES has got eight buttons. So it covers nearly all the buttons. Yeah. And obviously Mega Drive's got three and stuff and all this sort of stuff. So I got all that on there. got the software from it. I took a computer up because the one I had waiting for them was ready to go. Decided to stop working. Thanks, Microsoft Windows, you idiot. Stop working, but hopefully I'm going to get it working for them. So I took my own personal PC up there because I don't really use PCs anymore. And it's just the one I had in the back room, because I use a Mac. So I took that up, which is way overpowered for what it needs to be, but it's fine. And I put all the, the software on there. And I got it all together, messed, messed around with the Naomi for a bit. This is Project Naomi, we called it. Mm. So we did all that. And also, oh, in the morning, on the Saturday morning before I went to see Revival with you lot, I popped in on Sarge at 7 o'clock in the morning. I woke the poor bloke up. He had to come down in his pyjamas. Yeah. And he, he sold Vip a iPack. So he needed mm. uh, an interface to go from the controls to the computer, which is very yeah. kind of him because he was my, you know, we wouldn't have got one in time. So Sarge saved our lives there. Good old Sarge. Just give him a quick bing. There you go, Sarge. And the one for them for a while. So that was really kind of him. Um, and I got on the machine there and I was just plugging everything, make sure everything's in the right way and everything was plugged in and all this sort of stuff. And we couldn't get the amp to work. And the guy who sold it said, oh, there's two amps in there. One works, one doesn't. And he just hadn't taken another one out. So I thought, oh, we'll try the other one first. We tried it, it wasn't working. Plugged in the one that was working, wasn't working. Oh, God, what's going on here? So I had headphones in there, I had different bits of wires to go to the, the PC and stuff. And I was thinking it's the wrong wire and all this sort of stuff because it was stereo plugs to three and a half mil phono and blah, blah, blah. And in the end, I forgot to plug one of the wires in in the control panel. Oh. It was me being a doofus. <laughs> so I plugged it in and lovely sound came out of it brilliant and I adjusted the monitor as well because it had a bit of a tombstone on it you know a sort of bend in it yeah. I think they call it trapezoid or tombstone or whatever they call it rhomboid mm. Mm. squareoid celluloid I don't know what it's called rhomboid I like that one it's a rhomboid so I actually got the, the we put a test pattern up I think Green Beret uses a really good test pattern so you, you play Green Beret you press pause and it leaves you a grid up and I got the grid really perfect there's a tiny bit of convergence in the corners, which you, you get with big monitors, where the red, green, and blue doesn't quite line up to make white. Mm. But nobody notices. Shh, mm. don't tell anyone. <laughs> it was perfectly acceptable. The monitor was pretty good. A little bit of a line across the middle. I had a bit of burn from years ago. But it works really well. So we got playing that. Got everything running. I had a bit of a problem with some of the emulators, because the emulators on there for Mega Drive, SNES, and NES. I think the NES one was set up probably, but some of the Mega Drive ones weren't working on the two-player panel. So I didn't really mm. set it up because I never played two-player on it. So I had to sort yeah. of mess around with them for a little bit and I worked out what I was doing and stuff, and it was okay in the end, and we got it going. So I wired up the iPack as well for the controls because I just chopped the end of the wires off, which were old amp plugs, which I'm going to keep for in the future if I need them. And there were 17 wires went into the iPack, six yeah. buttons either side, four controls, grounds, one-player, two-player starts. That was all set yeah. up. Really easy to set an iPack up, really easy. If any mm. listeners ever want me to tell you how to set an iPack up, I'll do it in a tech tip, but it's very, very simple. I don't even think you need to be patronised with that. It's just putting wires into screw terminals. It's that simple. Mm. It's really cool. 
But you should have seen Ben's eyes light up when I ran Streets of Rage 2 on a Mega Drive emulator for him. He was like mm. a sort of eight-year-old again. It was brilliant. It was quite nice. <laughs> wee wee woo. So we did all that, and they kindly made me some lunch before I went off. And I have the biggest sandwiches I've ever seen in my life. He put mm. a packet of ham in each one. Oh, well, that's good. That's oh, good. good. And I also witnessed a crime while I was there. Did you? Yeah, which was well, quite did, uh, cool. Had you done the crime? No, and it wasn't a oh. sandwich crime or a biscuit crime. Oh. We sort of sat there having a bit of lunch, sort of just chilling out with the fans on and stuff, and we heard this... <laughs> up the road, and thought... And, and Ben said, was that a car? I went, yeah. He said, that was going up a one-way street, because he lives in a one-way road, road, up the wrong way. I was like, oh... And we saw, I looked out the window, and there was like an old car, like an old Metro with a bit of a bash in it. And it looked like they crashed it into the curb. Yeah. And I was sort of watching out the window, and a load of kids got out of it. The oldest must have been about 14. Yeah. So I guess these kids had jacked a car and, and ran off, well, ran or drove off with it in first gear because it was screaming like a maniac, mm. and then just crunched it into the side. And what they did is they all got out, and it looked a bit manic, and there was a big archway across the road with a big double door, and they pushed it through the archway and closed the door. So obviously we rang the police, and I don't know what happened since then. I don't know if the police came mm. or whatever, but they obviously stole this car and, and popped it somewhere to hide it. <laughs> right. Ooh, so missus. So you could go back to it later. Yeah, probably. Crazy stuff. So anyway, that happened. We called the 5 and I... I'm Lieutenant Frank Drebin, police squad. But the drive back was incredibly tedious. Oh, it was all slow, mm. slow, slow all the way back. So, meh. Meh. So that was that was that weekend anyway, and this weekend we're going to talk to you right after you tell me about the Batcave. Yes, I went to the Batcave first time in three months. That was yesterday, yes. Which is the Blackburn Retro Game event, which is held above a shop called the Batcave. I've been, it's great. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, I didn't go last month because of Nerg, and I didn't go the month before that because of Play Glasgow. So I really enjoyed this one, and I did a little two-minute audio one, wonder about... And we shall put the audio in here. Hey kids, this is a quick walk around of the Batcave. On the main screen on the big projector is International Track and Field on the PS1. And it's the final, so there's a lot of noise. And they've got two dance mats linked to the PS1. And they're running on them. And it's warm in here because it's at the top of the Batcave shop. Good day, right? So, with a load of a bank of CRTs, there is Saturn Dreamcast playing Cyberbot. There is a twin setup playing Doom on PS1. There's a SNES playing Super Mario Brothers 3. That can't be right. Oh, All Stars, I think. There's Decathlete on this Sega Saturn. Because it's the Olympics, the theme is like Olympic theme. There's Kirby, a SNES game that is running on the Wii U. And then you've got the original Mario Brothers on a NES. Got an Xbox 360 football game, don't know what that is. And you've got Sega, no, hang on, Sonic Adventure on the Dreamcast on a big projector. On a bigger projector, you've got Turtles on the NES, which I was playing Bloom Fight on earlier on. Which is really good. There's like this balloon trip level, which 
which is kind of like a survival thing, which is really good. Then you've got two Neo Geos linked together playing SNK Lane Bowling or something like that, which is brilliant. We're playing that earlier. Got a Mega Drive Sonic on it. Got another Japanese Saturn with Mercs on it. Three player Mercs, which is brilliant. Then you've got some some whatever that is, some flight simulator on the PS1. On PS2 you've got R-Type Delta. You've got the Show Me Games guys streaming this people running on the dance mat. And that's it. Goodbye. Excellent. Mm. Yes, yeah, it's, it's very warm in there because it was up above the thing and there's a lot of sweaty people playing track and field. But it were really good. So Mr. Lewis was sorting that out, was he? Yep, Lewis, yeah, he's, he's nice great guy. at sorting all the consoles out. Did he get his MVS cab working with coins in the end? I helped him out with some, some switches, I think. He didn't say. It's still it's in his shop. Oh, okay. And he says it's really popular. People love playing it. Oh, nice. And he's got, I think he's got the one of those 161 in one carts or something like that oh, in nice him at the minute. I like to see him being played, me. Brilliant. Mm. That was that. Right. Shall I tell you what happened yesterday? Da, da, da. You already know, but I'll pretend you don't know. Go on. Right. This is quite a long one. Strap in, kids. Get yourself a hot Horlicks and some biscuits. That's me strapping. Is that strapping in sound or is that being whipped? I, I'm, I'm not going that far. <laughs> I'm not going into that. <laughs> no, right, this, no. this one is a bit of sweet story. This is entitled The Peter Davis Brackets Invade Our Arcade Clearance. Mm. This is usually known as a raid. When something happens, when you find a warehouse which is full of arcade machines, whether an operator's had it or an old collector or you know someone's bought a, a property and these things have been left in there, they call it an arcade raid or a warehouse raid. Mm. This one, we can't describe it as that because there wasn't any raids going on. It was all quite worked out and it was a bit of an unfortunate happening that, that came us by it. This is a story of what happens when to your collection of arcade objects when you pass away, unfortunately. Mm. This is the thing that most of us will inevitably have to deal with one day. We're, all, we're not getting any younger. It does happen. <laughs> you know, so we've got to talk about one day. So we helped the family of a Peter Davis, who was known as Invader on the UK VAC forums. We helped the family clear out the, his old machines and a lot of the old PCB and parts from three storage units. The story starts off with me responding to an eBay seller nearly a year ago. It's a long time ago this was. Yeah. He was mistakenly selling some PCBs that were wrongly described. I got in touch with a chap called Simon about this to help him out, as he seemed to be a genuine seller and was very grateful for my help, and asked if he could speak to me on the telephone. So I spoke to him on the phone, and he told me the story that the arcade PCBs used to be his father's, who had unfortunately passed away recently. He said his dad was quite a hoarder, but in a good way, and had massed a lot of arcade gear. He told me of boxes of marked-up working galaxian boards and two Arctic containers of cabinets. He mentioned his father's favourites were Universal and Taito, but from quite a while ago, and had been in the arcade scene for all of Simon's life, and Simon's in his 40s, as far as I know. Mm. Simon enjoyed playing games as a child, but never got into it like his dad obviously was. I told Simon about this podcast, and I'd love to check out the Aladdin's cave of things that he had at the family house, and also to help in selling the things, as I was be able to test most of the parts and PCBs and give reasonable valuations. The problem was, he was in Aberdeen. And that's 500 miles away from me. 547 miles to be precise. Is it 500? Yeah, easy. It's a long old way. From London to to the start of Scotland is not too bad a journey. But then when you go to Aberdeen, Aberdeen is quite far north 
and on mm. the East Coast as well, so it's quite a way up. Someone mentioned the name of his dad, and I was sure I'd heard the name before, Peter Davis. I was very sure. I checked out the nickname on UKVAC of Invader, and sure enough, it was Peter Davis. Age 76 on the member list, and obviously and sadly hadn't posted for quite some time. The reason his name rang a bell with me is he helped me out by burning some ancient 2708 EPROMs from my non-working space fever. Remember back when I got my space fever? Mm, I think Alex was still on then with the podcast. It was back then years ago. He also burned me some ROMs to change the games on my Space Fever boards. There's a ROM swap for High Splitter and Space Launcher. They all run on the Space Fever PPCB set. If I remember correctly, he also burnt me the sound ROMs too. Peter never asked for any money for the service or any postage. And I offered some spare EPROMs and cash, but he wouldn't have any of it. He was such a nice guy. He just did not want any money for his help. Mm. That's nice. It was really good. This is also a story I've heard from many other UK VAT members who had dealings with Peter. From what I've learnt from back then until now is that Peter was somewhat of a repairer and mega collector from way back in the day. Mm. This is before UK VAC and Jammer forums and all these different arcade things even existed. He'd been doing mm. it most of his life, I think. So after speaking to Simon, he took a turn for the worse. This is Simon. And was mm. quite seriously ill himself and was incommunicado for weeks because of his illness and hospital appointments, etc. His comms were quite sporadic. I tried to get across to him that all the parts of the machine the family had would do well to go to people who loved the hobby and also make the family a fair amount of money and also give them back a lot of room these items were taking up. But Simon kept selling PCBs on eBay, often selling untested boards and also stuff he found that had working descriptions on them. Obviously, he was selling these at reduced prices. They were genuinely untested. and I'm sure a few dedicated PCBs from some of the machines must have been sold without the original homes, which were the cabs. But Simon was very, very honest. He gave refunds when things didn't work. So, you know, he was a genuine guy, I think. Mm-hmm. But the thing was, he couldn't actually test anything, even though it had tested working on it. That might have been tested working 15 years ago. Yeah. And things yeah. can just go bad on their own. You don't need to put any voltage in to make them go bad. And we, we didn't know what was going on. So he was selling them blindly, really. So cast your mind back, Sean, of the Smarty Martin meet where we both went to and were suitably hung over that day. Oh, I won't forget that day. <laughs> yes, when I forgot to put the right mic settings on the podcast. Silly me. Anyway, at that meeting, I broke my silence of this and informed Alpha One, Oliver Moazesi, who's an ace collector, UK VAC top bod and friend of the show. He was shocked that Peter had passed on and knew the guy for years, but only through the forum. Oliver had been trying to do a trade with him for years for a certain machine and nothing ever came about. Peter was quite the one for being very active on the forum then vanishing for months at a time. Maybe due to work commitments, as we know, he had something to do with the oil rigs. All right. As a lot of you know work in, in Aberdeen does. Anyhow, I gave Ol Simon's phone number, and he took over the negotiations. Ol is a master of the, in brackets, raids we all read about. But in this instance, things had to be handled carefully. This was Peter's family and his hobby's legacy we were dealing with. There was such a large amount of items, this had to be split up for a handful of UK VAC collectors who we know would appreciate the cabinets and parts available and wouldn't flip things on for profit and all that sort of skullduggery. That wasn't going to happen. Mm. So fast forward quite a few months, and Ol and I had, to date, had a date to go up to Aberdeen to meet Simon and his mum to catalogue and value the machines. I was armed with an iPad and a cataloguing app. I also had overalls. I knew one of the storage units may be quite grotty. It was. <laughs> now, on the first visit, we did a bit of audio. It's not very long. I shall pop it right in here. We are in Heathrow Airport Terminal 5, going on a secret raid <laughs> up north somewhere. We can't say where. And who have I got with me at the moment? Hello, Vic. 
this is Oliver Moazesi, which we'll have a big breakfast and get on the plane. It's uh, seven minutes past seven. It's early. He's been up since four. This small person got him up. And it's going to be a busy day. We're going to come back the same day. So onwards and upwards. That's the best picture I've taken all day so far. You're taking selfies of us on a plane. We're actually on the plane now. I think there's Self some stirring selfies news. On plane, selfies on a plane. Uh, we're about to get going. We nearly missed the flight a minute ago. Yeah. You jumped up like a maniac. It's flashing red. Which <laughs> is typically yapping about arcades and stuff, which is probably a good thing. Oh, we've got little screens coming out. I better turn my plane off now. See you in Scotland. We're at Scotland now. Yeah, nearly, nearly and ended up killing ourselves. Aye. Left on Victoria Street. We've not had any iron brew yet, but I expect we're held doing. I've got my Scottish voice on, I turned a setting over when I got here. Um, we're on the way now, we're in the hire car, should be there in about 40 minutes. Indeed. Aye. Aye. We'll talk to you when we get there if we've got time. Okay, the new! We've done the, we've done the thing. How many cabs are there in here now? Is it 52 good ones? 51 good ones and 12 rotters. Yeah, which may be worthwhile to someone for bits, maybe. Yeah, for parts, but they're... Some interesting cabs. Indeed. Definitely. Some I'm quite interested in. Some I'm quite interested yeah, in. Yeah, some other people we know might be quite interested in. Yes. But all in all good, the people were lovely as well, weren't What's they? What's really crazy is they've got them now. Yeah? This is going out after. Oh yeah, this is a so retroactive. You've actually, you've actually got them right now. Yeah. They're behind us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a bit scary. Brilliant. That is awesome. Yeah, so obviously this, this recording didn't come out until after we've done everything and made sure everything's secure. But we've been there. We're going home now. It's half four. We had a busy day. Mucky, wet, dark, climbing over cabs. I got stuck at one point. Lost the iPad <laughs> for about half an hour. Yeah. Freaked out. Couldn't find it. All in all though, a lot of fun, wasn't it? Mm. So uh, I'll definitely do it again if you if you ever get hold of any uh, ideas or whatever or some something going on. It'd be awesome. That's hard work though. Yeah, it's hard work. I had the overalls on, got cobwebs in the air, like that very much. All to help the family. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully it'll help these people out. Uh, with a story we won't reveal right now, but we'll be talking about later on. Yeah. So that'd be good. So uh, onwards to the airport. So that was us travelling up and getting mm. there and travelling back. Most of the cabs were in reasonable condition, but we could not pull anything out and most of the cabs were going to be noted as as-is. The only downer we had was finding that a few cabs at the end of the grotty storage place were sitting in water. This is basically cabinet death. Game over. Anywho, we flew up and drove the car to meet some lovely people who showered us with donuts, fish and chips and coffee. Mrs Davies also told me of a few tales of how Peter used to operate a few machines in the local area and he had to rush away after she'd had one of their kids to sort out a stuck <laughs> coin mech. <laughs> so he used to operate, I think, fruit machines and, and you know, jukeboxes and arcades and pinballs and stuff back you know, local areas years ago, like 70s and 80s. Yeah. She even had an old row jukebox in their back living room, which Ol is trying to find someone to fix it for because it stopped working, apparently. So when we were there, we catalogued about 70 cabinets in all. Some were really good, at least cosmetically. Some had surface mould, which isn't as bad as it sounds. It does come off. It's not bad. And some were basically worthless, but maybe useful for someone for parts, etc. We identified some PCBs for Simon and set aside ones he could easily sell, and also some that were to be paired back with their respective machines. We then drove back, macaroni cheese pies purchased on the road, and then flew back, all in a day. 
Mm. Went up at, I think the flight was at 8.45 in the morning, and I think it left at 6.45 in the evening to come back. All right. Anyway, all flew into action. Put together an invite-only part of the UK VAC forum with all the cab details on for the members to peruse over. This was a select amount of people who were involved in this. No one else could see it, just these people giving special permissions on the, on the forum. Yeah. All the cabinets, apart from three, were taken in the end. Deals were done. I'll push for a removal date and as soon as possible, as the cabs in the worst storage unit may not last much longer. Eek. We then got a date that was a convenient for the family. Only a month to get everything into place. A seven and a half ton truck, a Luton van, another large van, and a guy in a car were all planned. Mm. Ol and I flew up, accompanied by Steve, known as Bonehead on the forums, who we also went to the meet for at Steve's meet. Yep. He was also in contact with Simon. He had the same idea as me. When he saw Simon was selling a lot of PCBs and got in contact with him saying, Oh, have you got any other stuff? Blah, blah, blah. And he found out what was going on. So he was trying to do the, you know, sort of do well for the family as well. So all things came to the, to the end and we got together. So he flew yeah. up with us as well. And he'd bought things from Peter in the past and also contacted Simon via his eBay activity. So the people who went up there on the day to do the driving and the loading and all the helping was Chucky Galax. Smarty Martin went up with him in the van. 13-hour drive that took. Oof. Bonehead Steve, Alpha One, Ol, and me went in the, on the plane, airplane, again. Anthony Graham went up for RGP. Ronnie Dent was a Scottish guy who lives sort of not too far away, came up. Steve's driver in the 7.5-ton truck, which I unfortunately didn't get the name of. Also, Aeroflot, Tony Temple went up to help out as well. He mm-hmm. flew up because he was buying a few things. Yeah, Alex and Martin took 13 hours to get to Aberdeen. That is a long old drive, isn't it, in a Luton? It is. Steve's driver got there in 11 hours in the 7.5 ton truck. Mm. So all of myself had our cabinets all sorted, but they had to be there in person to oversee the operation and make sure the family were okay with everything that was happening. Because it must have been a bit upsetting for them to see all their dad's stuff going, but it was all going to good homes. So we got there, got in the car hire again, drove 32 miles to the property from the airport. We arrived at about 11.30, and there was already a huge convoy of vans, trucks, cars already there waiting. Yeah. Clearing the first unit was swift, as all the cabs in there were were there, and the soggy unit were all brought outside to be loaded onto respective trucks to be later delivered to buyers. This was a precise operation. We even had a paper list, a paper list, Mm -hmm. with all the cabs (laughs) on it, where they were to be loaded. Wow. So there were only two casualties. Two old wooden cabs, I think they were old electrical and universal cabinets, had had a lot of water dripped on them over the years, and they were sitting in pools. They literally fell apart when we moved them. Mm. I salvaged some beautiful back art from these, and the rest of the bits will all be skipped. There was nothing in there worth saving. You know, the monitors were knackered in there. The wood just fell apart. The mm. control, you know, we just got bits off that were any, that looked nice. The marquees and some artwork, really. Luckily, nothing else was ruined. The Atari rescue cab had a, a, about a foot of water behind the coin door. It actually filled up with water inside. Yeah. As Anthony, Anthony Graham and I were moving it around on the sack truck, see water sploshing out of the coin door. And this was only taken for someone to take the control, the control panel and the joysticks, they're very special joysticks on that machine anyway. Mm. And they actually got the thing open, there's about a foot of water in it. I was expecting to see fish swimming around, that would have been hilarious. <laughs> so many things were lifted, moved, tail lifted, and sorted in the next few hours. We managed all of those, then went on to the last unit, which was through a bit of overgrown passage. This was a very dry unit. It had some very nice games in it. The two I bought came from there, which we'll mm. get onto in the next few weeks when I get them. Yeah. After most things were loaded, we went into the PCB treasure trove, and people offered good prices for totally untested boards and parts. They just offered Simon some money, and he was very good about it and took the money. 
I cannot say how much money was raised for the old arcade gear, but I do know it was a large amount. And I was very happy to play my small part in helping the family and also making sure these games would be gone to good homes and restored. Tinkered with and played with just like they should be. Yeah. So many thanks to all the people who helped out, all the purchasers, and of course to Simon and Mrs. Davies for being so brilliant and obviously difficult time for them both. To commemorate this, and to also to remember Peter a little bit, Ollie Muddy Music has made up some commemorative plaques available to all the buyers to attach to their machines to signify that their machine came from the Peter Davies collection. It's a nice little touch, I That's thought. good, that. That's nice. They also bought us, uh, you know, donuts and chips again. It was brilliant. There was iron brew flowing. It was, it was really good. Really nice atmosphere. They, they did us proud mm. there. Really, really good. It was. Everyone was really <laughs> respectful. We all worked hard. We all worn out at the end of it. It was quite hot there. And there was a lot of flies and midges flying. I got bitten a few times. Yeah. All in all, it was, um, it was a good experience. I think everyone was really happy to help. Really. That's good. That really is nice. good. So in the future, I'll be telling people about the uh, restorations I'll be doing to my machines. Mm. And you'll be getting some out of as well, young man. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> which is nice. There is a Tony Temple Arcade blogger blog post on it already this morning. So I don't know how he's managed to do that. And he must have done it on the way back from Aberdeen, maybe. I think he did. I think he went back in time and wrote it before. Because it's another well-written piece. I've it's... only read the first tiny bit. I'm going to read it all in in a while. I've read it all. Very eloquent writer he is too. He's done he's done a much better job of telling the story than I had, but. I had a little bit of personal information, obviously, because I was the one who found out about it in the first place. Yeah. So yeah, Tony so... sort of touches on that, but he writes very well about it. Everyone get over to the arcadeblogger.com. Have a look mm. at that. So I, I helped Anthony Graham when he came back with the cabs because James oh, RGP's yes. on holiday. So there was nine cabs from the raid on this truck. Yeah. And I got filthy. We both got filthy offloading them, so I know how dirty the, the whole thing was. Oh, you filthy monkey. <laughs> And, I don't know if you've ever seen this before, I'd never seen it before, on the, on the Cosmic Gorilla Universal artwork, on the very back mm-hmm. of the cab, on the bottom, there's, there's like all this swirly detail, yeah. and in, in, written round one of these swirls is the words, super violence. <laughs> super violence. Super violence, and it's not graffiti, it's actual part of the artwork. Have you played Cosmic Gorilla? Yeah, I can't remember which it's one it is. It's not really super violence. It's a little shooty thing going pew, pew, shooting aliens. Uh, they come in, f- they, they, they go in the middle the outwards. Middle. That's it. Yeah, I quite like that one. Yeah, it's a good little game, actually. It's really good. And Anthony also has a theory that he won't, I think he hopes doesn't mind me explaining. He's got, he calls it the digestive or rich tea cab theory. Go on. Cabs in water. Yeah. When you dunk a digestive in water, yeah, it, it falls apart. to bits. But a rich tea cab, I mean, yeah. a rich tea biscuit even, you can dunk in your tea yeah. quite often and it doesn't fall to ah, bits. So we're talking about sort of chipboard, MDF. Yeah. Chipboard cabs. Against yeah. sort of um, plywood, plywood ones. Because plywood, some, some ply is actually waterproof. Marine ply is waterproof. Mm. Mm. So the chipboard cabs are akin to digestives. Yeah. And the plywood stuff is a rich tea cab. Well that's said, his, sir. That's his theory. Next. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very good. And I think Anthony, Anthony Graham, there was a few cabs left over. I think he made a small donation just to grab it, and he got a cosmic alien. Yeah, I look inside; alien. it was complete. So hopefully, it works for me. He can be in our Allen Club. Yeah, he didn't know what you meant. Oh, did he not? He said you confused him with the Allen Club. You must have said to him, "You're in the Allen Club at some point." Probably. He said, "What's he on about?" I we're, said, "Allen is alien. Cosmic alien is cosmic Allen." We're gonna have another Allen Allen Club member as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, because Milky mm-hmm. from Fleet, he's got the the wall mount that was there, identical to my ones. Oh, so we've got a few members of the Allen Club now. 
Yay. That will come in very handy when we talk about the next featured game. I think it might. Mm. Remember what we said, kids? Peter Davis in Vader, his favourite makers were Universal and Taito. Mm. Scratch his chin in wonderment. So while you've been wandering around Aberdeen, I have been messing with the Kodi installation on the Raspberry Pi. What's Kodi? I have heard of it. It's it's the media streaming thing. Oh, okay. This used to be called something else years ago. XBMC. That's right. We We had some little XBMC setups, actually, running on our TVs a little while ago before we got the Apple TVs. Yeah, so... I got it working. It works on my TV fine in, in this room here. Nice. But in, in the living room on the 42-inch plasma, it doesn't work at all. And oh, I really? tried tried everything to get it working. I've messed with the config files. I've tried different HDMI leads. Oh. It's just not having it. So I tried my other Raspberry Pi 1 in the other TV. That doesn't work. Oh. So it's definitely, I think it's a fault with the TV because some of the channels are going a bit weird. Harumph. The only thing I could get working, because the Raspberry Pi 1 has an AV out, doesn't it? Yeah. And that worked. But oh. anything HDMI, the our Panasonic TV, no, don't like it. Oh, Not playing. Okay. Mm. Hmm. Oh, I've got a massive pickup as well. Should I kind of say it here or later? If you like. What pickup have you had? Sofa. Bought a sofa this afternoon. Arcade sofa? It could has well be. Has it got be. a joystick? I, I can fit one. But you can't talk about that. It's not a joystick. All right. Let's go and do some arcade news. Tomohiro Nishikado, the inventor of Space Invaders. What a guy. The, the wonderful schmuplation site that translates old Japanese interviews. Cool. has translated one from 2000 mm-hmm. with Tomohiro Nishikado. Ooh, and it's okay. very interesting about Ty- the early history of Taito and how they got into Pong. And, and something really interesting that I thought... When he created Space Invaders, and it goes into the story of it, which I think is quite well known how he created it, Taito didn't think it was any good. And when they went to a Japanese trade show, they were promoting a game called Blue Shark, which was a midway import. Yeah. More than Space Invaders, that was like a reserve game in the background. How wrong they were. Yeah, eventually, obviously, it it Mm. caught on. And also, Nishikado, in the late... I think it was the late 80s, was working on a console for Taito, it was actually, which used the same chip as it was in some of the Sega Mark III, you know, that became the Master System. Yeah. Um, that must have been earlier than that then, mustn't it? But it got scrapped. But wouldn't oh. it have been great if we actually had a Taito console? Wouldn't oh, that yeah, with some of, their, some of their conversions, that would have been amazing. That's the kind of thing I'd like yeah. now. Yeah. Oh, wicked. Tell me about a tiny arcade. What's a tiny arcade? It's a little Kickstarter that has been funded, and they're tiny little arcade machines. They sit on the palm of your hand. They're about six inches high, and they're playable. Oh, really? They've got little, I don't know what it is. It's Arduino or something in them. A teensy. Yeah. Well, I think it's called a teensy. And you can add the joysticks and buttons. I could hardly see it, but you can actually play Space Invaders and stuff on them. Ooh. They're very cute. You can check that out. It's tiny arcade Kickstarter, and I would imagine... They're in like full production now, and they'll get out to sort of start. Uh, to the... Good little stocking fillers. Yeah, Eugene Jarvis and Larry Demar at the California Extreme Show. They were talking about their work on Robotron and the work at VidKids. And there's about an hour video Ooh. where both of them are kind of they're kind of riffing off each other. It's quite funny. Mm. So, so that has been recorded by somebody in the audience. It looks like, and that's that's watchable. That's really good. Yep. Another one, you know, we were talking about Galloping Ghost Arcade, the guy doing the track and field world record attempts. Yes, we were. 
he didn't quite make it. He managed. He got twenty-one million oh. after playing for twenty-nine hours. Yeah. Oh my lord. So, but he, he did. The world record is almost thirty million. God. But we were talk. Were we talking about it last time, or were we talking about it on the forums? I can't. Quite we were remember. talking about it. There was he was playing on a, a glitched board. I'm not sure how Twin Galaxies, if he'd made the record, would have done. But it's still, it, in reality, the guy was playing it, and he's a great marathon player. Absolutely brilliant. Mm. He was yeah. when I watched a little bit of the Twitch. He was just doing enough just to get you know qualified in the levels, not doing you know, really fast running and really good going to the limits. He was just doing the levels and doing the levels and doing the levels and just rolling, rolling, rolling all the time. So I'm not sure why he didn't do it, but the the actual PCB wasn't quite working, right? Because some of the scores had loads of garbled graphics in them rather than the score times. Yeah. But that makes no difference. The game was still the same, I think. It was just because that that board is known to be really glitchy. Mm. Track and field and hypersports are always, they never work silly things. They Mm -hmm. never work those boards. Yeah. He'll do it in the future, I suppose. We've got another thirty hours spare. Yeah, it's yeah, cool. Imagine like button bashing for that amount of time, and it's not a relaxing game, is it? No, the way he was playing it was sort of was a bit more relaxed. He was just you know doing what he had to to get around the levels. He wasn't going max full pelt all the time. He was just doing what he had to do to do the levels, and then just giving mm-hmm. up and just rolling and rolling and rolling. All right. One last bit of news. There, it looks very likely there'll be a Walking Dead arcade game. I know there's a pinball coming in 2017 from Raw Thrills. Of course. And it looks like it's been demoed at a Dave & Buster's somewhere in America, and it's in a Jurassic Park cab at the moment. But the artwork is all Walking Dead. Ooh. I bet that's got to be an on-rail shooter. That's all they seem to do nowadays. I thought so. Can you just yeah. quickly explain to me what the Walking Dead is? Because I don't actually know. You what? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's about zombies. Oh, boring. That's why I don't like it. Zombies like zomboids. Have- Zombies have taken over the world, and it's about this group of people surviving. But like every who, single zombie story ever. Yeah. But who is the real enemy? Is it the zombies, or is it, or is it the other survivors trying to get their stuff? Because the zombies are crap. They, they get killed damn, damn, damn easy. Yeah. But it's the other people in in the in the series that become their enemies, and that makes it makes it really interesting. I've never been into zombies. Zombie oh, games, zombie movies. Never been into them. I like Rob Zombie. He's pretty cool. Yeah. Is he a zombie? He's not a zombie, though, is he? He's just his name. Yeah. I Mm. don't think it's quite his real name either. I don't think so. His name is actually Dave Zomboid. (laughs) And that's it for the news, kids. Pickups. I actually have some. Go on, then. Tell me about yours first. Apart from the pack pack of posh booze from Bobby Hazenuts, thank you very much, sir. Posh booze. I bought a UK Vac T-shirt. I thought it about time I did. Yes, nice. I've got it. I've got it on. I can see you holding bits of it up. Yeah. Has that got the sort of logo a bit like Marble Madness on it? It has. UK Vac logo. Nice one. And I also got a new sofa from IKEA. Well done on the sofa. Congratulations. What's your high score on it so far? uh, Sofa one, IKEA nil. Ooh. Hmm. So me too. I got some. Uh, I got a rubbish bag of hazelnuts for Robert. Robert, very lame, and he got some lovely drinks. I nearly bought. A, nearly bought a ladybug boot PCB at the mm. revival event, but the guy wouldn't go down to twenty quid. Went thirty for it. I was like, nah, not having that. No, <laughs> I didn't bother any further. I just went off. No, mm. 
I'm still on the lookout for a PS1 LCD screen and more in television carts, but no luck there, unfortunately. They're quite hard things to find. It's um, Ali Retro Hunter looking for one. I'm the hunter! A retro hunter! I have asked him, actually. He's going to look out for one for me. I think he's got one in his, his massive console bits. What a nice guy we met him, didn't we, over the Lovely weekend? guy. Yeah, they're all Lovely nice guy. guys. Nice guys. Mm. Mm. So, should we go on to the arcade cabinets I bought from the Ar- Aberdeen Raid? Aberdeen Raid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, the clearance we did. So the arcade clearance is a nice enough way of putting it. I have purchased... Mm. A cabaret battle zone, mm. which looks complete, but apart from the back door, that's anything that looks missing on it. That's not a problem at all. I've also bought an unfortunately named Subelectro Isis cabinet. Mm. Now we're not talking about all the bad news from the news lately. This was called an Isis cabinet in the eighties. I used to play these in the chip shop, and they're a very very neat British made cabaret arcade machine with a little fourteen inch screen on it. I've seen one yes, nice. this morning, in fact. Because oh, really? James, James has got a couple. Oh, has he? Yeah, if it, uh, from the same raid, yeah. Oh, no, they're different. Are they not? They, they are, are they similar, but they've got rounded edges. Mine's got square edges. Ah. Mr. John Studley, track and field Pac-Man master, he restored one a little while ago into a scramble. He did a really nice job of it. If you look back on the UK for, UK VAC forums and look for... Uh, Sub-Electro Isis Scramble, you better find it. He did a really nice job of one, and hopefully I can make such a nice job of mine. Excellent. But this is going to replace my little jammer cab, which I got a while back, which I've been pl- I play more than anything else. I restored. I got free from Simon, and I put quite a bit of work into it. You, sir, are going to have that, mm. are you not? Oh, yes, please. I will be charging you the exact amount of money I put into it, and that's it. Mm, eight pounds. More than that. No. But pretty cheap. It's doing well for a nice cabinet. It's a really nice cabinet as well. I play it a lot. So nice. that'll be going to you, son. And I'll be doing that. I did Excellent. actually buy two Galaxian cabs. Nam- Namco Bertolini, Italian-made cabinets, which are slightly different from the original ones. Mm. But when I saw them, I thought, mm, there's, there's a lot of work there, and I've got my work cut out for me. So I'm mm. going to move... I've actually paid for them. I, I own them. But I'm going to move them on for exactly the same price to another collector, hopefully, who's going to have them and, and do them up. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a bit much for me. I, I can't... I don't think I've got the room, to be honest with you. I've got enough to do with the battle zone and stuff. Because mm. battle zones never seem to work. Hopefully mine will, but you never know. Mm. So, yeah, they're my pickups, I think. I bought some mystery boards I'm not going to tell you about mm. until I get them working. Mystery. And I bought uh, an Asteroids board cheap. I don't think it works for Nez for Life because he's going to start fixing Asteroids boards once to get into fixing them. I bought yep. myself a Centipede PCB as well. Right. It's completely unknown whether it works or not. It looks complete. I've got to make a, an adapter up for it just to test the, the video and sound on it. Mm-hmm. If it works and everything, I'll, I'll be able to get someone to make it work for me. I might have to make a little cab for it because I wanted a cab. I wanted a, a centipede for a while with a proper trackball on it. You've got to play with the trackball. So I might have to make a little wall mount or something, you know, a little project in my mind. Mm. So yeah, I want a centipede. It'd be nice to have an original centipede. It'd be really, really cool. And I've got some artworks. I've got some back glasses that weren't being used for Universal games. You know the really funky sort of 70s like uh, fantasy art? Yes. I've got yeah. those. I'll put pictures up of them later on for the website. Mm. They're really nice looking, really colourful, really funky pictures. So I've got those as well. Mm. So yeah, bit of stuff. Nice. On to some feedback. First 
first feedback we have from Dana E. How about Kid Nicky as one of our featured games? One of my favourites that never seems to get any love. Ooh. I have had a go of this. Is it any good? I've heard of it's it. Got, it is, actually. It's got a nice kind of feel to the character. It's a scrolling ninja-themed thing, a bit like, you know, ninja Ninjoid, a bit like ninja spirit thing, okay. uh, with a spinny sword. A sword looks like a helicopter when the guy's spinning it. Ooh. Mm. Well, look out for in the future. You might do that one. Mm, that's good, that. Jan Schneider. Sorry mm. about the pronunciation of its jam. Thank you for a great podcast. Batrider is a great game indeed, but no chance of ever owning that. It's just too expensive. Do they have that on a real board in Arcade Club, or is it emulated on the cab? Keep it retro. It is indeed... A real board. They do not Everything. use any yeah. emulation at Arcade Club. Nothing. Not even any 60-in ones. They're all original cabinets, original monitors, original PCBs. The only thing that Andy changes is the PC, is the power supplies. Because mm. they sometimes sometimes unreliable and can take things out. So that's all they do. All original yep. stuff at Arcade Club, old son. All original. Yeah. CMP, our Vectrex friend, Chris. Great podcast and perfectly timed for a long drive. I come from North Lincolnshire, back down home south. I was actually near Newark when you mentioned your impromptu road trip. Oh. Regarding, regarding the world's largest Pac-Man in the UK, because I asked if anyone had seen one, mm-hmm. my son and I found one in Skegness yesterday Ooh. in one of the four big arcades there. And Eric Bananas says there's also one in Hastings. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, there's bound to be one in Blackpool, I reckon. I'm going to go and have a look. I can confirm for you that your brand of humour, mostly mentions of pies and northern accents and oh, gen- pies, general repetition, scores highly with 10-year-olds. Oh. Thanks, Chris. We, are, we do have like a juvenile sense of humour, don't mm, we? Maybe. Yeah. Mm. Much laughter coming from the back seat, especially at the repeated watch out for snakes during the jungler review. Watch out for snakes. That's, that's almost as good as a sample, that. Love the John Studley chat about track and field. Like Pac-Man, his knowledge and enthusiasm for it makes for fascinating listening. One thing with track and field on the javelin, I always thought that the thing you knock out of the sky by doing the big steep angle thing was a satellite. Oh, could be. I thought it it looks like a turtle to me. I thought it was a funny bird thing being in the sky, but yeah, satellite would make sense, wouldn't it? Very much, yeah. Looking forward to revival at the weekend. See you there. And he did, and we had a great time. Mr. John Studley. Great podcast as usual. Thanks for chatting about Dragon Field. It would be good to hear from more of the UK gamers who have their sights set on conquering a classic game. So if you're a serious player, like people like Mr. Charlie Farr, and you're actually going for a world record, and we encourage you to go for a world record, Yes. give us a shout. Tell us what you're up to. Tell us your, your secrets. Mm. Tell us how you get along with it. And hopefully, if you don't know how to set up a world record, we can give you some hints. Mm. You've usually got a video here and all this sort of stuff, and there's certain rules. So if you want to know about anything, give us a shout. Hmm. Matt Witchfinder, another enjoyable show. Jungler sounds pretty good, but I was too busy to play it as I've been fixing stuff in my arcade. Fascinating stuff from John Studley about the track and field. I'm going to have to try and put some time in on those tips and get them into action. Hopefully see you at Revival. Andy did. We did. I talked to Matt for a little bit. He was talking about his arcade. And he was also telling me about his, his repairs. And he bought a Cosmic Allen Mm. An upright from the Unigame arcade when it was still open, which just before it shut down. And he was saying that he didn't like the game. He bought it for his wife. Mm. How dare he? <laughs> anyway, mm. he was fixing it, and his, his wife loves it, which she's obviously got good taste. She likes Pank Panic as well. Bagu, bagu. But how nice it is that the pair of them enjoy games together. 
Mm. And the only reason she didn't really go along there, she didn't think there'd be any games she likes. And then there was a flipping bank panic, panic turned up. Yeah. She can show us all how to play it. Yeah. Anyway, nice talking to Matt. Oh, oh, Ferg is now following us on Twitter. The godfather of the Game by Game podcast. Everyone listen to the Atari Game by Game podcast, everyone. Mm. Ferg's also in the Atari Visions, which is quite fun as well. Yep. Roger Cantor, as, who we met again last weekend. Great podcast as always, guys. Just wanted to mention that the Semitsu LS30 30 rotary stick chosen for Hardware Heroes is not the same as the cooker knob used on Nintendo Sheriff. No, obviously. no, it isn't. Definitely not. My understanding is that for Sheriff, it uses an eight-position switch with each position re- representing a special direction, e.g. up, down, left, right, diagonal, whatever. Hence the white positional marker on the control knob. Yes. Whereas the LS30 rotary stick used on Ikari Warriors and Midnight Resistance, etc., uses a 12-position switch, and the change of position tells the game to either rotate clockwise or anti-clockwise, uh-huh. but within the game, this still only represents eight positions. Yes. Must be something else going on there then. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it should be possible to recreate the cooker knob on Sheriff with a standard eight-way joystick and and a built-in fire button. Whereas the LS30, you cannot do that. Yeah, absolutely. Because I suppose on Sheriff you could use a twin stick setup. You'd have to have a button very near your right hand or your left hand. So when you move the joystick with your right hand to move the guy's arm in a specific position, mm. you can press fire. When you do that, I'm sure it's workable. But I know what Roger's saying about now because I've actually got some components which look like variable resistors or potentiometers, but it's got 12 positions on the bottom. It's got 12 little lugs you can attach wires to. And obviously yeah. the one you click it to is the one it's going to. So, yeah, that must be what they have in in those LS30s for the correct name. Cheers, Rog. Thanks mm. for that. Mm. Neil, 20 to 5. Hi guys, what a great podcast this was. The track and field interview at the end was an enthralling and an accompanying thread on here. RE the algorithms is just amazing. With the combined genii of the code breakers, combined with the dynamic digits of Mr. Studley, I think we're well en route for a new world record, even with the tight parameters mentioned. I also need to say thank you for the immense privilege of being the lucky listener to play this week's game. We will be talking about that, Neil. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. It seems to have gained a mediocre following on Twitter, and I must admit that blooming end screen prior to the game looping is an absolute pain in the bottom. And has kind of ruined it for me, as I was getting into it every time and still couldn't complete it. Got close, but not quite. Too many Mm. unavoidable arrows in the face whilst jumping for the rope. But if I may just place a little substance behind the choice... He's trying to explain himself here. He's got no yeah. chance. It was way back in the mid-80s when I found my first computer lurking under the Christmas tree, a Commodore 16, which came with a few games in the box. One of these was Punchy, a hunchback clone. I was smitten and remained so. It's surprising how vivid these memories remain today. I also remember a hunchback cab in my local cafe. Then on my last trip to Arcade Club, there it was, then again at Nerg 16, calling out to me, and so I chose it there hoping that someone, if not I, would beat the bell screen and succeed. Well done by some friendly banter and rivalry, and it did, although it wasn't me. Until next time, keep jumping and avoiding arrows tip face. Tip face. Right, Mr Neil, thank you for your lovely words, but you were not getting away with it. <laughs> Shoutouts. First one for me, Darren Hatton, D-Zine. For telling me how to use the zero delay interface to escape out of MAME. Because I didn't have to do it. There is a way of doing it. He told me how to do it. 
Also, Steve Monkey Chunk in a Geordie accent. You've got to do in a Geordie accent. Monkey Chunk. Steve Monkey Chunk for a similar fix to the escape thing in Maine with a joystick to keys piece of software he sent me. Thank you for that. Mm. From Revival, my shout-outs are for a very broad again because I don't want to miss anybody. All the listeners that we that came up to us and spoke to us, the podcasters, the YouTubers, the friends we already know, and the UK vacas. A shout-out to everybody from Revival and the organisers and everybody. We loved it. And the whole world. Yeah. Well, these include world. from me... Tom from the Dreamcast Junkyard, very nice chap. Love talking to yeah. him. All the Retro Asylum guys we had a drink with, all our yeah. UK VAC friends and the new listeners who I haven't spoken to before. They had some very nice and positive words for us. John Studley, who we sat on a bouncy sofa playing Atari 2600 with when I chat to him. It was always a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Craig Turner and his crew for putting on a great show at an equally cool venue. All the Vectrex developers, Chris CMP, Jim and Chris Binary Star, awesome games being shown off there. And Ker- Kerry and Ben for Monster Sandwiches on the Sunday. Mm. Hopefully see them coming down in September again for an event for us we're going to see together. Talking to podcasters, you didn't see them, but the RGDS guys were there on the Sunday. Were they? Garen and Benny were there. Oh, Garen's Rep- a schmupper, isn't he? Representing. Represents. Yeah, they were oh, there. Oh, that's a shame. I'd like to have met them, guys. I wish I'd known. Damn. Yeah, very nice guys. Ooh. And Mark for the lovely biscuits. Next one we got here is Victor's Cab History. Oh! This is number four in my history of games, I believe. Mm. This is an Asteroids Upright. I bought this sometime in 2007, if memory serves me correctly. Was it a Wednesday? No, it was definitely a Saturday. Ah, okay. My girlfriend at the time had found an Asteroids cabinet in the Mega Drive section of eBay. (laughs) At first, I didn't believe her until she showed me the listing. Hmm. The cab was £80 and looked Mm. in reasonable shape. I got a feeling it was a buy it now. Yeah. And guess what? You bought it now. I bought it now. Yeah. Right then and there. I bought the cab and paid some guys from Wales to pick it up and deliver it to me in Weymouth. Delivery cost was more than a damn cabinet. It was £120. Even back then, that's that's excessive yeah. for one cabinet. Rip-off merchants. But I didn't know at the time. I was just pleased to get an Asteroids original dedicated cabinet for £200 total, delivered to my door. Mm-hmm. Of course, it didn't work properly when I got it. And the control panel was a mess. They'd black some, The previous owner had black hammerited it black and had the wrong coloured buttons in it. There's red and blue buttons in it. It also had an ugly hole in it with a push button for a credit button. You could hear the game playing and see things moving in a very thin vertical line on the screen. This is known as playing blind. And the monitor obviously now had horizontal collapse. I think I've got that the correct way around. Horizontal when it goes into the middle. Hmm. From the sides inwards. I got in contact with a guy from Jammer Plus as UK VAT was still on hiatus back then. The guy called Pinks, I think his name was Dave Pinkney. Hasn't posted for years. I think he got out of the hobby soon after. But he was a bit of a vector genius and was helping me out with his partial website, which I don't ever think got, think got finished. And also back and forth via email. He really taught me a lot about fault finding and I now really know my way around an asteroids machine. I tried thing after thing, replacing known parts that could go bad, reflowing sockets, replacing sockets, cap kits for the deflection PCB and the vector monitor, etc. And nothing seemed to make any difference. Even when I put the PCB into test mode, there was no fault beeps, meaning the PCB was probably sound. 
This went on for about three months. A bit of contact with him now and again, trying things, ordering some bits, trying them, getting caps, all this sort of stuff I had to wait for and mess about with. I was just about to give up. And then one day, I had all the guts out on the table near the machine. I thought, I'll just reflow that stupid socket there just once more. And it jolted into life. It mm-hmm. worked. It was amazing. You should have seen a dance I did when I saw those pointy rocks scooting around the screen. <laughs> yeah. I obviously had to adjust the screen a wee bit using the built-in test pattern on the PCB and also the pots on the monitor and the game board. Because I'd have been moving things around. It obviously went all to pot and it was really thin and you know it was out of shape. Mm. But using that, Got the, the screen adjusted to its extent. It's got the sort of ratio right and everything. So all the, the diamonds on the on the test pattern was okay. Sorted the brightness out as well, where I've been fiddling with it. And uh, it worked fine. All it was was a cracked solder joint on a wire plug connector on the deflection board. That's all it was. Mm. After all those months, I could have just done that first and it would have worked. But no, my luck, it took forever. But you learn a lot about the I whole- learned. Yeah. heck of a lot yeah that machine I know my way around with my eyes closed now I could do it blindfolded that I, happened to me you know when I bought my first PC I crashed it well what I did I, I think it was about, it and you crashed it it was about 96 <laughs> or 97 my first PC that I owned I put a format disc in floppy disc in yeah and it formatted the whole thing oops and I thought, oh God, right! I can't send it back because I've messed this up. So I, I, I learned to try and fix, to try and get it all back going again. But unbeknown to me, there was some bad RAM in it. Oh! And it took me ages to find the fault. But I learned so much about computers and building them and everything. When I eventually found this bad RAM, I was like pretty genned up on it. And I'm actually glad that happened. Yeah. Because the amount of computers I've fixed since then, you know, I wouldn't have known how to do it. Yeah, you learn from mistakes as well. Mm. Absolutely. So after I got it actually working, I went to start restoring it because it was still a little bit rough around the edges. I quickly stripped the control panel with nasty nitromorphs paint stripper, which is really horrible stuff. If you're mm. going to use it, put glasses on, wear a mask, and use gloves. Mm. Honestly, it's really nasty stuff. And I stuck on a full wrap control panel overlay, which covered the entire control panel, so no paint was required on that, that little thing, and it looked really nice. Mm. The machine played flawlessly during my ownership. Didn't miss a beat even after I left it on by accident for two days straight. <laughs> yeah. I left it okay. on in the arcade, because I think the, the bulb had gone in the marquee, so when I turned everything off in the garage, I looked in the garage, just a quick cursory glance, noticed everything was dim, and just turned the light off. And then two days later, sort of, I think I had a little thing on the Saturday, and on Monday I went in after work and went, oh my God, I left that on. It was just perfectly playing away in, in wow. the track mode. Absolutely fine. So, so <laughs> during its life, I swapped it with Sean Meldon, from the Exmouth Arcade Barn for a cabaret asteroid when I moved to London and I was shot with space. I even got it back years later. I actually bought it back years later when they closed the barn down. Yeah. So I'd had the cabaret. I think Alex had it and then someone else had it after that. And I bought mine back. I had a chance to buy it back and bought it back. So I kept it more, some more years in the garage arcade until it grew too small. And I sold it to the Four Quarters where it lives to this day. The Four Quarters Bar in Peckham mm. Rye. It's still been appreciated, and it has only had one board fault in there, which was quickly fixed in all those years. Mm-hmm. And it's still making its money nowadays. So I have played that one then. I've played it. Yeah, in the yeah, definitely. Quarters. I think a yeah. lot of people have played it, mate. It's a uh, pride of place in there. Mm. Lovely. And I've got a cabaret now. Yes. And I've got Asteroids and Asteroids Deluxe boards, and it's soon going to be uh, having a little brother next to it with a battle zone. 
Mm, I really like that cabaret, you know, that Asteroids Deluxe. It's got yeah. a great little feel to it, hasn't it, your machine? It has. It's a nice little game. Mm. And I put um, a blue Perspex overlay over it, so it's all in blue. Yeah, very nice. He wore blue Let's have a musical interlude for the listeners. Not for us, because I should put it in post. Yeah. I'm, I'm revealing secret after secret tonight, aren't I? Editing tips. Editing tips. Anyway, this music is the Gradius remix in an area. Whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> right. Very funky. Very funky. Right then. We're going to do this a little bit different this time. This is the feature game review. And unfortunately, it sounds like this. Game system operational. There's there's some comments that I've put about the game info and, and the gameplay, and then you've written in angry blue capitals. Right. Lots, I'll lots do the blue swear. capitals, and then you can do the nice bits. You can't. You can't. There's all loads of swearing. <laughs> yes. This game, as Vix just said, is Hunchback by Century Electronics Limited from Oldham, England. Can I put my the- bit in now? Nope. On the convertible video system, the CVS. Now you can. Back. 
<laughs> my rubbish century makes me ashamed to be British. Yes. Not, what if you put it here? Not to be confuzzled with CVS computer vision syndrome. Yes. When I looked the... up... This is back into sort of less ranty mode now. Mm. When I looked up some uh, information on the CVS, the Century Video... Sorry, the Convertible Video System by Century Electronics, I put in CVS. Not to be confused with computer vision syndrome, which is actually a medical term. Oh. I think somebody was using computer screens for too long. Oh. Or the famous chain of pharmacies in the US, CVS Pharmacies, which I've been into lots of them. Oh. It uses underpowered hardware, which is an S2650 at 0.8 megahertz, which is 800 kilohertz. That's slower than a Spectrum. Mm, I think they all the CVS games did, didn't they? They were the same. Oh, they were terrible. Mm. I looked up this. I've put uh, an article on the website about it, and it was developed with a Philips computer, but it was very, very underpowered, even to early 80s hardware back then. Really mm. underpowered. It was terrible. Okay, let's get on to the gameplay. Can I do my bit first? Yes. It's shit. <laughs> right, Hunchback kiddies, takes the jumping element of a platform game and transports it to a flick screen walk across the battlements of a castle game where you have to rescue Esmeralda poor girl, original concept really, collect the bells at the right end of each screen I think Charlie Farr mentioned, when you start the game, Hunchback is actually below Esmeralda when the, when the start when the game starts, yeah, the and he runs across screen. He runs across about five screens and then goes back up up the wall. So why don't you just go up and get Esmeralda and save us all a job? Some bells have knackered his head up. Mm, them bells, them bells. Right, so that's the... That's the... You can ring my bell. You can ring my bell. Ring my bell. Oh, what are we doing? <laughs> the just creeps up on us. Get out, you guys. Go. Sean wanted this left in the edit. Sorry. First five screens. It's, you can sort of break it down into fives, and I'll tell you why in a bit. Mm-hmm. First, first screen, f- fairly easy, innocuous. Fireballs come at you. You leap them. You leap fireballs. Leap fireballs. <laughs> get, to the, get to the bell at the end. Mm-hmm. It's always left to right, isn't it? It's always left yeah. to right. The next level is a, a fire pit, a big gaping fire pit, and you've got to jump on the rope. This level... Oh, dear. The hardware shows its true colours, and the whole thing slows down. Yeah, the the actual robe is animated really badly. It looks like a a, a dead snake. Mm. Watch out for snakes. <laughs> yeah, perhaps it is a snake. Mm. Next one, yeah, castle battlements or ramparts or whatever you want to call them to yep. leap over. The next level after that, inside the little battlements are little men with pikes and they're trying to jab you ink ghoulies. A man made out of a pike? Yes! And the the next level, you get the pike men... And the fireball was flying overhead, so you've got to jump over the pikes and not and not headbutt a fireball. And if you can do all five of those without dying, you get a five bell super bonus, which really ramps up your score. Mm-hmm. But if you lose a life on the first five screens, yes, you don't get the bonus. You start building your your bells up after you die. Mm-hmm. So every five screens you do without dying, you get that super bonus. Yeah. So far, so good. Not a bad game. Mm. Quite fun. Yeah, it's fairly down. basic, but yeah, original concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree yeah. with that. 
You're also, it's kind of timed. You've got this guard that's climbing up the castle walls, and he gets to the top, and he'll chase you across the screen. He's very slow, so you've got to be pretty slow for him to get you. And he does a very funny walk. Yeah, Ministry of Funny Walks going on there. He's got a little. He's got some sort of fiery. It looks like he's got like a, a fire gun on him. It looks like a crap flamethrower, doesn't it? Yeah, he walks really weird. The animation is terrible. Mm. It's like two frame animation. I think it's really bad. Mm. Second five screens, you get battlements, and this is where it starts getting tricky. Mm. An arrow comes from the left of the screen, and you've got to jump it. And if you didn't know it was coming, you, you don't have much time to react. You sort of learn it's coming. Yeah. The next one, you get a rope screen again, swinging across that. Next one, you get a pike, the pikeman in the in the battlements trying to spike you, and you get high and low arrows to dodge as well. Yeah. Now, this is when it can become quite unfair, because you can get right near the bell rope to jump up and get the bell, and there's an arrow comes out from the right side of the screen, and you've got very little time to react. Because this game is so simple. And I don't think very well designed, to be honest with you. Mm. I'm very, I'm being very careful with my rants at the moment. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, when you play the game, as you said, when you start off, sometimes you get an arrow right in your behind, and you don't know it's coming. So you get that in your behind, and then the next go, you press the jump button, so it misses you, and you get an arrow in the head. Mm. It's really unfair. It's so cheap. But the only time the projectiles are all exactly the same, they're either fireballs or arrows, and they'll come above or below, from left or right. That's the only positions they come in from. That's mm. it. That's all you've got to worry about. Mm. The next bit, you get four bell, bell ropes over a big pit. So you jump on these ropes, and they go ding, 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 ding. And you've got also go? ding, 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 ding. Oh, I think and the then, last ding was slightly off key there. It could be. I ding, think it was ding, ding, ding. Because you C-sharp. Did I hit the C-sharp? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you jump over them four bell ropes and a fireball, and you can get a super bonus once you if you do them second five screens. Do you know what you can ring? Ring my bell. Yeah. So there's only one level that can get you caught out there. So so far, there's more than one level caught me out, old son. If you can really. Be a bit lucky. You're doing mm. all right. Okay, you're on the final third five screens of the first run through here. Yes. Kind of. It's a finite amount of levels to get to the end, isn't mm. it? So you've got low fireballs on this next one coming from left and right, and you've got a handle jumping over the battlements as well. Mm. Yeah. And you've got pike men with high and low arrows coming everywhere, and you can get really caught out on them. You've got pike men with high and low fireballs coming from left and right. You've got the bell ropes again, bing, 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 mm-hmm. with high arrows coming from left or right. Mm. You get the last bell rope, jump off, and then you go to jump over an arrow coming from the right, and an arrow coming from the left spikes you in the head, or oh, vice versa. It's very unfair, isn't it? I think a lot of it's luck, you know. Mm. Mm. And there's a bit of slowdown as well. Oh, loads of slowdown in the game. It's mm. terrible. So you get another bonus then. Anytime, anyplace. Ring it, ring it, ha ha, ring it. Anytime, anyplace, ring it, boo boo. <coughs> Sorry. Sorry. Carry on. Carry on. The final screen where you get, you can see Esmeralda. Sorry, the penultimate screen. You can see Esmeralda in the tower at the end. She's got lovely yellow hair. <laughs> Which is the screen that you see at the beginning of the game when, yes. the, when the game's just starting. But the whole thing slows down so much you've got to try and jump the fireballs and the pikemen coping with this slowdown it also has 
sections where it just speeds slightly up where the process is struggling, so it's it's hard to judge. Yeah, when there's a lot of items on the screen, it's slow right down, but as soon as I go off the screen, everything jumps back into life again, mm. which is really annoying throttling type of issue going on. I hate games that do that. Yeah. Awful. You get a final screen. Now, I never knew this existed because I'm used to the Commodore 64 version, which doesn't have this. Yeah, the Commodore 64 version is a fair game. No, it's not. Oh. I've tried playing it. I'll tell you in a bit. Oh, go on. Mm. So the final screen is a bit different. You've got four levels of platforms on one screen, so it looks more like a standard platform game. Yeah. And you've got to run over all the bells in the platforms. Rather like the final-ish level on Donkey Kong, where you knock him off his plinth. Mm. When you, you knock the little rivets out and then he falls. It's that kind of thing, isn't it? You've got to push the bells away. Or walk over them, sorry. Yeah, once you walk over the bells, it makes a hole in the platform and you can't yes. fall through. But there's arrows coming from everywhere. Mm. And there's two bell ropes going up and down on the left and right edges of the screen. And you can jump on them to sort of jump up the rope as it's coming down, if you will. Sort of almost climb the rope. Yeah. But as you're doing that, you get you know arrows in the face. Yeah, it's not oh, fair. It's... I watched this on YouTube, someone doing it, and it, it looks just so difficult. Mm. Almost impossible, I'd say, but we know it's not impossible. It's a bad end to the game, I think. You get you get all the hearts flying over the screen, and you 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 know you like kissing Esmeralda, I think, at, at the end. Kissy, kissy, Before starting again with everything faster and harder. Mm. Do you know I must have tried honestly fifty times to do that level. Do you know how many I, times I tried to do the level? None. None. I didn't do it. I, I, so that's some idea yeah, of it still. It's totally unfair, isn't it? Mm. So there's also a timer on the last level. Yeah, it's like... Oh, the... just make it harder, why don't you? Yeah, well, it's it's very generous, that timer, actually. It's okay. Esmeralda. You get five Esmeraldas and they disappear like kind of like a crap energy bar. Mm, rubbish. Mm. So the play tips and secrets, my play tips and secrets, don't play it. <laughs> Mine, always start moving right at the beginning of a level to have a chance of jumping the fireballs or arrows that come from the left. Yes. You've got to. The arrows and fireballs seem to be semi-random, so it can be extremely hard to learn a level. Sometimes you sail through it. Sometimes you... There's one example where you get fireballs coming from left or right, and sometimes they just come from the right, and you go straight through the level, and you get nothing from the left. I always thought... Even from playing this, I used to love this as a kid. I always thought that it was a pattern, so you could say, "Oh, there's going to be three come from the right, then two from the left, and you know, then one from the bottom." I thought you could do that, and it was set in stone. No, it's not. Mm. Totally random. Yeah, you can jump the pike men when they've got the pike in full thrust. Yeah, you got to sort of line it up properly, haven't you? Right on the edge of the of the platform, the you can jump them when they're. St- like sticking the pike up you can just get over it oh, so that's okay. that's helpful that yeah bonuses oh we know this one bonuses increment quite nicely for not dying they just really ramp up yeah every level you can get like five thousand six thousand seven thousand points and someone said you get a bonus for completing the levels quicker yeah if you get up i think if you do the level before the the guard on the left hand side climbs to the top you get a bonus i'll tell you what one thing i did do when I very first started out to check out the slowdown, because Neil1637, who suggested the game, said there was two different ROM versions to do. There was a, there was a setting that stopped some of the slowdown. Yeah. And I, I did the level where you do the rope, and I waited for a while. I did the rope and landed. When I landed, a heart appeared on the left-hand side, and I got 2,000 points. Has anyone else seen that? I haven't. So it must be some sort of weird thing when you do the level just as he gets to the top or something. 
Mm. And you get the you get the two thousand point bonus with the heart. I never did it after that. I only did it once. Just a complete random accident. Did it? Mm. Mm. No one's said mm. about that on Twitter or anything, or any of our players have mentioned it. So, don't know what happened there. No. Lord knows. Graphics and sound. You have bought your foot drawn Draw- by a daft baboon. That's <laughs> you. <laughs> This is from Mame Info, I think. The main character was originally going to be Robin Hood. Yes. Hence all the green he's wearing. He's wearing green, isn't he? And the rest of the graphics are pretty badly drawn with quite... Oh, this is you writing it, sorry. It is. Uh, pretty badly drawn with quite garish colours, very basic. The rope animations look like someone swinging a dead snake around. Watch out for... Oh, right, that was last No, that's enough of that. Sound is very sparse. Some speech on the title screen, very robotic and lifeless, not like Berserk or Gorf, for instance. Yeah, I think the sound is just a, a synthesizer they use because they used it on a few of their games. Mm. So, scoring! Scores on the doors! Can't be asked. Yep. I could, I did do a score, but uh, it wasn't you did. very good. And I was there when you did that score. So, at the bottom of the list, Andrew Driver, I don't think liked the game at all, 68,000. Mark K, 77,100. Giggity! 78,300. Ross, who is now known as Ross Ross in your Ross, phone. Ross. Yeah. <laughs> he got 82,200 points. I got 88,000 on DZine's laptop when we were having chips. Yeah. Let's say one quick go of it because we were trying something else out there. Uh, John Battlezone, John Key, got 107,500. Well done. Ian Cullen got 131,700. Charlie Farr, 143,900. Good score. You, sir, 147,500. Neil, 1637, 170,100. You're in trouble. Vip, who got 173,600. On his new Naomi. Way. Vip also managed to loop the game. Well done, you freak. Lesley. Shame on you, Lesley. 336,600 points. He thrashed us with his hump. My hump, my hump. He looped it. He looped it. How many times did he loop it? Uh, once, I think. And he put a picture on Twitter about where where all the arrows come from on the last level. Okay. But it didn't help. It didn't help me. No. That's a mm. massive score. Did I read someone, when you actually do it, you get huge scores on the second loop for doing the first one? I don't know, but the world record is only about 480, so oh, he's not okay. far off. No, absolutely. So the cabinet art I've put down here in my ranty my ranty writing, colours thrown at the side of a cab that deserves to be set on fire. Fire! The actual cab is quite a bland wooden cab, cabaret-style cabinet. The marquee and control panel are delightfully cartoony. Mm. I really like it. It's a weird-looking little cab, and mm. uh, that's what I think, as far as I know, there's only one left in the UK, unless someone knows anything else about that. Not seen one since. Mm. So there's some trivia... It was good when I was a kid, a stupid kid who knew nout. <laughs> That's, That's your trivia. Yep. This is my. This is the bit I thought you'd bit earlier. The hunchback character was originally going to be Robin Hood, hence the green costume in the game stages with arrows. The artist who drew the Robin Hood character left the company before the decision to change the theme to hunchback. Mm. By the time a new artist was taken on, the green costume had become accepted, and no one questioned it. Someone commented that the Robin Hood character, as drawn, looked like a hunchback. So it was a complete mistake to begin with. <laughs> yeah. That's about right. 
other versions of the game runs on Galaxian hardware, Donkey Kong hardware, and Scramble hardware. Could you imagine changing any of them three to this? No, never. They're miles no. better games. <laughs> hey, you some good trivia. I did. Yes. Way back you, in the You, sir, late... Mr. Sean in your face, Holly, did a game. Yeah. I never knew this. You've been keeping secrets from me, young man. I did a game called Battlements, right? On that, it was at the Hunchback clone, and it was written in Amos Basic on the Amiga in 1992, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was—I didn't know this until a couple of years ago. It was actually featured on Amiga Power cover disc, August 1992. So Amiga Power 16. Yeah. They had, they did two cover discs. Check it um, out, kids. And they, they gave it a review of two out of five. <laughs> oh, the swines. But I did I put loads more stuff in, and it was 40 screens. But they, the review is terrible because they've got the number of screens wrong. And oh, right. Just, they didn't play it then, basically. They're just wrong, basically. Well, I, I saw you played a YouTube of it after I got my 88,000 on, on DZine's laptop. Your game is way better than this arcade tripe. It's real <laughs> fun. You put daft bits in. You put hollyisms all in it. So everyone should check out um, the the links I've put in the show notes. There's a YouTube of someone actually completing the game without dying, which is amazing because it's quite hard. And also Mm. the review from uh, back in the day. Mm. So Century made nine or ten games. It was all on this... It was a a PCB with loads of wires and stuff and and ribbons on it. And it had like little cartridges. And Mm. you could exchange a cartridge. That was the idea of the, the video system, you know, the compatible video system, whatever it was called. And mm. all the games are unimpressive clones of classics of the day. I think Hunchback is the only original game. You've got like an Amadar clone. You've got a Dig Dug clone. You've got Donkey Kong Space clone. Invaders. Yeah, They're yeah. all clones. And the thing was, the original games were out. They were early games, early 80s games. Were 10 times better than this rubbish. Why did they even bother? Because mm. they came out after the originals. So the originals were being played, and obviously people had got a bit bored of them. Then they were bringing crap versions of out later on. Why? How did they even sell? Mm. Amazing. We are not impressed with Century as a company, are we? As a UK arcade developer. Terrible. Some Electro were better, but they just did a lot of clones. Mm. Mm. So the ports, sequels, and legacy, we got Idiot Hunchback at the Dumbass Olympics. This was actually Hunchback at the Olympics and was an incredibly lame, shameless ripoff of track and field on way underpowered hardware. After the excellent original, who the hell want to play that, let alone buy it for their arcade? Mm. It was a really poor, jerky version of Track and Field. And Track and Field plays really fast. It's absolutely flawless, original Track and Field. It does exactly what you want to play. This one mm. was really slow, jerky, terrible. It just it just themed the Hunchback character at the Olympics. Tee-hee. Rubbish. <laughs> It was also released on most home computers at the time. The C64 version ends with the Esmeralda in the tower level, so you don't get that really difficult platform level afterwards. Yeah, as it should end, because when you get to Esmeralda, you can see her, and you get to her, and that is a, a natural ending, isn't it? You shouldn't have to do another mm. level, which is completely different and almost impossible compared to the, uh, the original arcade version. The Commodore 64 version though, I, I used to love it and I think it does play better, it's quicker and it seems um, more fun, but the arrows that release from the left are almost immediate okay. so you've got, you've got to be jumping immediately, yeah. but if you jump in immediately you can get an arrow in the head because you're taking a 50-50 chance of whether oh. the arrow's coming from high or low 
That's cheap, isn't it? That's really yeah, cheap. I forgot I, all about that. I always thought the Commodore 64 version was brilliant because I knew people who had it in a day, and it was. I thought, oh, this is exactly the same as the arcade. Wow, wow, wow! And the mm. arcade's rubbish, so it ain't got a chance, really, has it? It doesn't have any slowdown, anyway. Mm. But Ocean, the people who released it, were great games makers back in the day. They also released Hunchback Two for the home computers. And this took the last level from the arcade version and expanded on it to make a decent platform game that borrowed ideas from Donkey Kong Jr. Yeah. I cannot recall playing Hunchback 2, but I've seen it lots of times. I'll have to mm. look at a YouTube video. It well, is ne- good. Next yeah. time I drag the old Commodore 64 out, I'll get the ROM for it and pop it on my uh, 1541 drive. Yeah, it's more like a Manic Miner type of thing. Oh, that's better than Hunchback, though, isn't it? Yeah. So our overall thoughts and well, my overall thoughts and improvements. <laughs> go back in time, murder everyone who works at Century Electronics. It's a bit harsh, that bit. But fair. Can't murder people for a bad game. Well, I can pretend to murder them. Yeah, yeah. My thoughts: a good idea for a game, a bit original, fun to play. The first few levels. If you're a casual player, you're playing it first few levels. Think, oh, this is all right. This not bad. Mm-hmm. But as you get into it more, like we have, and we're all getting competitive, it becomes the king of cheap deaths. And playing it leaves a bad taste in your hump. Oh yeah. Not worth serious competitive play worth playing the first few levels for a, a mess around which is quite enjoyable but it just gets, gets annoying frustra- and very yeah. very samey mm. it's, it's like they must have had such little memory or, con- or some kind of constraints they just did the same game really it's only got three screens hasn't it you've got the battlement area with different parts added to it you've yeah. got the rope swing Oh, actually, yeah. you've got the bells as well, which is almost the same as the battlements with the ropes. Where you, you hit the four bells, and mm. you've got the very last stage. Yeah, Everything's just a clone of itself. So It's just awful, terrible. And I think most of the comments on Twitter were negative. There's more negative than positive. Absolutely. Right. You put a picture on Twitter of a hammer with the word ban written on it. Did that's, you write that's ban my on dead, pen? That's my dead blow mallet I use at work with the word ban I put with my black marker pen. And this is what we're going to hit Neil over the head with for suggesting yep. this turkey of a game. So we have inv- well, you have invented the ban hammer. Did you get that? Any music? That was, <laughs> that was Jan Hammer. That was the the Mammy Vice music. Hey! (laughs) So here's some audio of me locking Neil 1637 in a box for his bad game decision. We may let him out to play the next games or not. It's going to take a lot of biscuits to smooth this one over. No, no, I don't want to. Please don't put me in the box. Get in the box. Get in the box. Oh, please don't put me in the box. Okay. Cabs you never knew existed. This is a jammer candy cab called a swing by Sega from nineteen ninety-one. You ever seen a swing? Sega Swing? No, nope. nope, I haven't. You have your likes. There's a picture in front of you if you're looking at the notes. Oh yeah, I've seen that one, yeah. I've seen these. This was an odd hybrid looking thing that sort of looks like a Sega Naomi and a Sega Astro City got drunk and made sweet arcade love. <laughs> resulted in the baby swing. It has a laid-back look to it. All steel construction, apart from the plastic body parts that go over the top, with a heavy base unit to store your arcade hardware in it, with longish laid-back sort of leg inside internal leg holding the control panel and monitor mounts. 
The monitor is a 26-inch screen which can be rotated but had no turny mech. You'd have to drag the monitor off its four mounts and turn it 90 degrees by yourself, exactly like a Naomi. It has stereo speakers to the side of the monitor and a really tall marquee area above a smaller marquee above the monitor. The control panel is a lot wider than a usual cab, which can accommodate four players if needed. Official four-player and two-player panels were also available back in the day. I've actually seen, been inside one of these and done some work on them before. My mate Adrian used to have one of these a few years ago. It's a neat but very odd machine and probably the only four-player cab I'd actually own, apart from an Atari Wardlord's cocktail cab. I've also seen one of these in the wild in the Japanese-style arcade in Little Tokyo in LA a few years ago. They had one in there with a four-player panel on it. But yeah, really neat-looking four-player machine. But one thing that really annoys me about it, if I ever had one, is the four-player panel. You've got a joystick each and three buttons each. But yeah. on the, the panels from left to right, the buttons are in different positions. So if, if someone was sitting or standing right to the left, then someone in the middle, someone to the right of that, and someone right over to the right... The buttons sort of go around in that arc, so they're not in the same position. That yeah. would really bug me. You know what I'm like with asymmetrical things. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be symmetrical. Cut twice, measure once, all that lot. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. no, measure twice, cut once. Oh, that's where I've been going wrong. Measure twice, cut. Yeah, cut everything. No, no. Yeah, yes. No. Yes, kids. No, no. We don't know what we're on about. Let's move on quickly. Before we move on, these cabs mm. are really cool. But there's not many of them around. I've only ever seen the two, one in the UK and one in California. Mm. So if you ever get a chance to play one or buy one, snap it up, they're cool. Adrian sold his, but I'm not sure who who bought it. So they're the happy owner of that. Mm. If you want to have a look at loads of other really cool candy cabs, go to www.hard-candy.com. The link will be in the show notes. It's a really cool site. It shows you loads of pictures and information about Japanese candy cabs. Loads of them there. I wonder if they've got the lot because everything I go to that site because I don't have that much knowledge on candy caps and I, I have a look. I think I bet they haven't got this one and they do. They have everything I've ever searched for that site. Do you know what? There's only one cabinet I actually saw in Japan they haven't got and nobody oh, knows yeah. what it is. I've got a picture of it nobody knows what it is. It was playing Mario Brothers when I was there in the Odaiba Dex Complex Arcade and it was a sort of weird looking little hybrid of a sort of a steel candy cab Cross with a cocktail cab. Mm. It's a really nice machine. I'd love to own one, but it was really weird looking. Didn't see any names on it and never seen one since. So, mm. goodness knows. Mm. Hardware Heroes. This is the Sega Naomi, not pronounced Naomi, or is it? I don't know. It may well be pronounced this way, according to Japanese pronunciation, which is very annoying, as I've been ranting at a certain Dreamcast junkyard co-host who lives in Japan. I reckon he might be right, because it's pronounced <laughs> Naomi. And if he lives there, he obviously hears people speaking about it, he's got to be right. And even wife said it's pronounced that way. But, in my defence for ranting and saying Naomi and liking to pronounce things, and I'm probably wrong... It's an acronym for New Arcade Operation Machine Idea. And anyway, I had a friend at school called Naomi, so it's that. Mm, it's named after my friend. Mm. <laughs> the Japanese word Naomi means beauty above all else. How nice. Ah, oh, it's lovely, that. Oh. So, the Sega Naomi hardware 
was a motherboard that takes cartridges and also GD-ROMs, which were used on the Dreamcast. This was released in the arcades in 1998. 16 of these boards could be linked together mm. if any software actually called for it to make an incredible piece of hardware. It had a Hitachi 30D-bit RISC chip for its processor with a PowerVR2 graphics hardware. The carts had a max memory of 172 megabytes, where the GD-ROMs were a gig and came with a security chip. This hardware was basically the Dreamcast with twice the memory and graphics memory than the home system. Basically why the Dreamcast arcade ports are bang on perfect. They really yeah. are. The motherboard needs a particular type of power supply called a Sun power supply, which is very similar to a PC sat supply, but with amp connectors for the Naomi motherboard. It also needs a separate stereo sound amp and also a machine that has JVS standard with a VGA 31kHz monitor rather than jammer, although a jammer converter is available and then Naomi has a dip switch to run 15kHz too. It's not a setup for the faint-hearted. There's a lot of bits you've got to buy to get it running. Right. But it runs some excellent games. It also works a lot easier than a Naomi in a Naomi cabinet, as all the power supplies and connectors are already in there if you've got a standard Naomi cab, like I do. Here are some of my favourite games and also some notable ones. Akatsuki Denku Senki, which is a maniac nutjob fighting game with nuns with guns. This was <laughs> produced in 2008, and I believe it was a fan-made game. It wasn't original Sega, it was a fan-made, but it was made into a cartridge, as far as I know. Border Down, great shooter. Crazy Taxi. A very classy horizontal shooter is Border Down. Did you did you hear me say crazy taxi? Na 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 na. Let's make some crazy money. I love doing that. That that <laughs> bit of the game when that music comes on by Offspring and it does that bit, it's just brilliant. I love that. You can hear it that in the arcades wherever you go if it's in there. F three five five challenge with the three screens and it runs on four Naomi motherboards. I didn't know each that. screen has got a Naomi and then one to run the whole lot. Wow. How cool that? It's such a cab as well. Gigawing 2. How many scores? 97 trillion billion you can get on that game. You can you? get telephone number scores on that game. Oh, yes. House of the Dead 2, gun game. Marvel vs. Capcom 2, which is a bit of a, a bonkers Street Fighter game, but a bit mad. A bunch of Guilty Gear X games. Ikaruga. Vicky Who. Vicky Who. Ikaruga. Vicky Ruga. Jambo Safari. That's a fun little on-rail shooter. Monkey Ball with the best joystick ever. An analog banana. <laughs> it's got an analog banana in it. It's such a cute little thing. Oh, really cool game as well. Three of the Mushy King games from the Weenie Dino King cabinets, the original ones. Power Stone 1 and 2, which are up to four player, really, I don't like them, but really popular games on the Dreamcast, those ones. Yeah. Mad fighty things in the 3D. Cyvaria 2, which is a really cool bullet hell game. And a game called Slash Out, which I played in Japan, that I really loved, and I sought it out and bought it on cartridge for my Naomi years ago. Mm. Uh, Street Fighter Zero Three Upper, which is a really good Street Fighter game. Type of the Dead, which is a bonkers Japanese keyboard game. It's basically House of the Dead, one of the House of the Dead games with the keyboard. So instead of shooting the zombies, a word comes above their head, and you've got to type the word in quickly to shoot them. So when I played it in Texas, I actually found a machine with it on. It was all in Japanese, and the keyboard was Japanese. And I don't know Japanese, so oh. I couldn't play it. I thought they'd Wait. done a UK version, but I think it's Japanese only. No, it was, because it was at Revival. 
Tom had it. Dreamcast Junior. Yeah, on the Dreamcast, but not the arcade yeah. version. Oh, of yeah, that'd have been good. That'd be a cool little game to play, actually. Trizeal, mm. another good game. Under Defeat, which is a wicked helicopter game. I don't. I've heard the name. It doesn't ring a bell. But I can't remember the gameplay. We played a bunch of these when you came round once, and I set the Naomi up mm-hmm. for you. Some vertical games mm-hmm. before I put the screen back to horizontal. And also mm-hmm. the famous Virtua Tennis One and Two games. Yeah. If you buy a Naomi Universal Machine original. It's nearly guaranteed you're going to get Virtua Tennis in there as the mm. default game. That was one of the popular ones for it. Apparently, there was approximately 80 games were released on cartridge and 66 on GD-ROM. Loads of games released on this system. Mm. More modern options than carts or GD-ROMs are now available. These include options to load games via an Ethernet cable and a PC, a compact flash cart version, and also a Raspberry Pi-powered device. Mm. These all use dumped ROMs. I don't think Sega would like people doing this, but they do. I do. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, good system. Really good system. But you mm. need sort of a dedicated machine with JVS to run it, really. So it's a bit of a pain if you're running Jammer and stuff. Mm. But really good. And the Dreamcast games are slightly different as well, but obviously really good ports. Yeah. So we come to the end. Mm. And this is next show's game. Or games. In games, indeed. So, mm. we spoke about Peter Davis earlier, Invadar. This is going to be an Invadar special to commemorate us moving the games and his collecting history and his life. This were two of his ta- favourite games, told to me by Simon. And also the fact he had multiple machines when we saw them. The first one is also a favourite of mine. Cosmic Alien, affectionately known as... Cosmic Alan. Cosmic Alan. Peter had, I think in total, he had seven machines of Cosmic Alien. Uh, he had a few, quite a few tables, a wall mount exactly the same as my one, and a few uprights. Mm. The other game we're going to do, because they're quite simple games, so we can talk about them and get some scores on them. The other game we've been meaning to do for a long time, and Mr. Oliver Rosezzi has also asked for this one, Crazy Balloon. Mm. Peter had a Crazy Balloon upright and two cocktail cabinets. So, Cosmic Allen, three lives, bonus life at 5,000, with the default settings, version 2 ROM. I will be playing it on my wall mount. If you've got an arcade machine, play it. It's slightly different, which we'll talk about later. But the game is still fair to play on each. The Crazy mm. Balloon is three lives, with bonus life at 5,000 again. Default settings, set one ROM, if you're playing on main. You'll probably find Crazy Balloon is easy to play with keyboard. The original machine had four buttons, up, down, left, and right. That's just a little mm. bit of a tip for you there. Yes. So, yeah, get playing. Deceptively simple games, very addictive. Can you just tell the listeners, you, because you've played Cosmic Allen a lot, can you tell them your score that you've got so far, so what they I'm know? I'm going to try and beat my score. My score so far is 48,000, and Mr. Charlie Farr is a little bit ahead of me, but not miles ahead like he normally is. Mm, that is so, a damn good score. I got, when I come down to yours, did I get 17? Something like Thousands? that, yeah. That's yeah. not a bad score. Mm. Uh, the game, I, I'm not going to give any away. It's really good. Mm. So, Cosmic Alien and Crazy Balloon. Either or, for everyone who's listening, who's playing along with us, get your scores in, and we'll talk to you in two weeks' time. Thanks for listening. Yes, thank you for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks' time. You can download or play the podcast, read all the show notes, and leave feedback at www.10pencearcade.co.uk. You can email me at vertvic at 10 You can also reach us on our Facebook page. 
You can tweet me at Tenpence Arcade, and you can tweet Sean at Sean Holly. We'd love to hear from you for game suggestions, arcade pickups, and stories, or any of your personal thoughts on anything we may have covered. <laughs>